Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Athersford District Council Planning Committee meeting for the 17th of January, 20, 11th of January 2017. Beg your pardon. Um, some housekeeping matters before we start. Um, we're not expecting a fire drill, so if the alarm bells do ring, please make your way calmly through the double doors, <coughs> assemble on the grass circle, and our fire marshals will lead you to a place of safety. Um, all mobile phones should be switched to silent, please. And members, we are recording and broadcasting the, the meeting, so please make sure your microphones are switched on before you speak. Uh, do we have apologies for absence, Maggie? I have an apology from Councillor Davy. Thank you very much. Um, any declarations of interest, members? Councillor um, Freeman? Yeah, Saffron Warden Town Council. Jim. Thank you very much. Councillor Fairhurst? The same here. Thank you very much. No others? Right, the minutes for the previous meeting were distributed. Can I assign those as a true record? Thank you. I shall do so. So then moving on to the business of the day. The first item on the agenda, item 3.1, is application... 16 stroke 1856. It uh, details following grant of outline permission. It's in Saffron Warden, and Mrs. Shoesmith will make the presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I think we have a slight technical difficulty with the uh, projector at the moment. Um, second. Thank you, Chairman. The application uh, before us is uh, relating to land south of Radwinter Road in Saffron Warden. Uh, this is the application site. A few members uh, may remember um, the original outline application. Um, the application site um, is located on the south of Radwinter Road, which is located along here. We have Thaxted Road, which runs down um, to the west of the site itself, with Tesco's located here. We've got Shire Hill Industrial Park here. Maria, yes, of course. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Just a point of order. I'm not sure what the meaning of the expiry date. Is that a misprint, the expiry date, 18th of October, and what effect does it have on the, on the application? Uh, sorry. Uh, Can I? It's the 13-week um, date to determine the application. So it has expired already, or is it? Behind? We've got an extension of time to determine the application until okay. next week. Till next week. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Okay, Maria, thank you very much. Thank you. Um, before I go ahead, members' attention is drawn to the circulated uh, Southern Warden Town Council representations, which I believe uh, have been circulated amongst the members. Also, since uh, the writing of the report and the publishing of the report, two additional representations have been received, uh, raising the same points as outlined within Section 9 of the report itself. 
With regards uh, to the site itself, um, the site forms a total area of um, 13.9 hectares of um, arable fields. Only 12.9 hectares are the, um, is subject to the application that we've got before us at the moment. There are a number of, as I said, Tesco's is here with Shire Hill Industrial Park located here. We have a number of farms located here and to the south of the site as well. Outline planning permission was granted um, back in 2014 um, for the development of up to 200 dwellings. Um, B1 office space and extra care housing with the provision of open space, land for one form entry primary school together with associated infrastructure. This plan here is a copy of the approved illustrative master plan um, which um, was submitted as part of the outline application. This shows the care home here, the employment office space here and the residential scheme located here with um, the um, 1.2 hectares of um, education land located here. This is the reserved matters application. Um, this is purely for the housing element and the land to be provided uh, for the education facility. Um, Within Appendix A of the main report, there is the, um, a copy of the original outline report, uh, which is on page 35 to 71. As stated, this application um, is purely for the housing and the school land phase. For consideration under this application, it's the details relating to the layout, appearance, landscaping and scale of the scheme. Access has already been approved at outline stage um, to be primarily taken from Radwinter Road here and a secondary access into the site from Shire Hill here. As part of the scheme as well, um, a number of um, attenuation ponds um, have been incorporated within the scheme um, again, those were illustrated within the outline uh, plan itself. This is the scheme in a bit more detail. Um, the scheme comes in uh, design in two parts. A formal avenue, which is proposed to be created along the main road through the site, located here. Um, this will be um, a tree-lined avenue and will provide the main circulation um, through the site. This is at the lowest ground level uh, within the application site itself across here, um, with the site to the rear forming an informal um, style of housing in um, clusters um, with that would be arranged around various greens uh, and um, footpaths throughout the site itself. The site um, would comprise of, as I said, two phases uh, in terms of design. The formal avenue. This would have see various heights of building form ranging from two and a half storey to three storeys, which would include um, apartments as well on the corner plots uh, along here and along here. Um, 
as you can probably see on the screen itself, the pink being three storeys and the red uh, two and a half storeys. Um, to the rest of the site, uh, as the ground levels increase in height, these will be fundamentally two storeys in height, with the occasional two and a half storey forming a focal point and a number of bungalows um, scattered through the site as well. This will give you an idea of the cross-sections through the site and the relationship in terms of the heights of the dwellings that are being proposed. These heights are in accordance with the parameters that were set within the outline application. This is um, a street scene um, providing um, two views fundamentally, one of the informal setting of the two-storey dwellings through um, towards the upper part of the site and along the um, avenue um, various two-and-a-half, three-storey dwellings including an apartment block here. The scheme would provide 40% affordable housing and 5% bungalows in accordance with the policy. Um, a breakdown of the dwellings um, is included in Appendix B of the report on page 72. Um, this would show the breakdown of the dwellings, the number of bedrooms, um, the size of amenity gardens and provision of parking on site. The scheme itself meets parking standards and the back-to-back -back distances in accordance with policy. In terms of amenity space, the majority meet, um, meet standards. There are a couple of units, um, namely plots 20, 79, 80 and 81, as mentioned within the report, which marginally falls below standards. But overall, it's considered that uh, based on... Um, the level of difference and the amount of open space which is provided within the scheme is considered acceptable. The details of responses, um, the history um, policies, um, the applicant's statement of case and um, representations have been highlighted in detail within pages tw uh, 9 to 25 of the report. Since the writing of the scheme, there's been um, amendments uh, to take on board highway concerns, namely visibility displays and the turning area around the school site located here. Um, this has been altered to provide um, where the school is located here. A through road has now been created to provide a one-way um, vehicle movement to allow for circulation around the school site in itself uh, to prevent any bottlenecking at the bottom of the site. Also here, this has been amended to um, alter any conflict uh, of vehicle movements along here. Um, and details of visibility have been addressed as well on the plans. Highways have since removed their objection, um, subject to conditions of which I have circulated amended conditions, um, which should be in front of you at the moment. Um, there are no other outstanding concerns from statutory consultees in terms of landscaping, ecology, drainage. Um, in conclusion, the proposed design and layout of the scheme, um, the size, the scale and appearance and landscaping is all considered to be acceptable. No unacceptable impact is considered upon residential amenity, both existing or proposed um, occupiers, 
or the surrounding local amenity in terms of its design. Therefore, approval is recommended subject to the amended circulated conditions. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you, Mrs. Shoesmith. Uh, we do have two speakers on this application, the first of whom represents the Town Council, and that's Councillor Perry. You have three minutes, Councillor Perry. Thank you. Not coming on. That's Right, good afternoon, Chairman, good afternoon, Councillors, and thank you for allowing me the opportunity to speak to you today. The MPPF was introduced to enable local people to have a say in public planning applications. The application before you today is determined on its merits and not to be linked to other applications. The Town Council has from day one objected to this application with sound reasons, supported by the 2005 local plan, the emerging local plan and more importantly the MPPF. There are many main areas of concern but I will concentrate on just a few, i.e. roads, housing and the school, mainly because highways have introduced uh, another document they objected up till two days ago when we got the revised that they now recommend. But anyway, Rose, this is a complex issue and involves access via Shire Hill Industrial Estate onto a very sweeping bend and then a link road past the school which is to nowhere. That middle piece of land is not in your remit. With the two accesses to the site being via Shire Hill and Radwinter Road and the proposals by highways read one-way streets and double lines, this will mean that traffic will have to go negotiate the town centre and Shire Hill and gridlock will develop. No consideration has been given for the 200 cars parked daily on the roads in Shire Hill as to where they might now park or where the workers that have to drive to work, whether they still be employed. Housing mix. The majority of houses on this side are the larger four and five bedrooms, which is completely contrary to UDC and government's own policies, which states that smaller houses, i.e. two bedrooms, are to be a priority. And the Utterford local need is for smaller houses, not bigger. The social housing areas are mainly minimum garden sizes or just below. Schools, the developer hides behind the fact that he's only providing the land and not the build. Traffic control and calming measures are imperative on the approach and outside the school, particularly insofar as what is being suggested with a link to go round is inappropriate. This application is a charter for developers to prevent money with 53% of the total housing being four and five bedroom houses. This does not address local need. Although I suspect that approval will be given for this application, even though this site is unsustainable, I would strongly urge that the following conditions are put in place and given due consideration. Due to potential gridlock on the accesses that a Grampian condition is put in place, roads built first and not tractors vehicles to be parked off site, adding to the confusion outside. The link road that finishes outside the school, half roundabout, needs to be put there to enable cars, lorries and everything else to be able to turn round and not go round the front of houses that are being built. I've just got a couple more conditions, I hope you don't mind. The link road is placed at the far side of the development and not the front or through the site. It can only create further problems. 
the Education Authority be instructed to adhere to the 147 points of criteria as laid down their own policies for the building of the school, which they seem to ignore. And that areas are identified as blast zones due to the close proximity of the UK pipelines and the link road should be used in accordance with that. That, thank you, Chairman. I'm sorry I went over just briefly. Thank you, Councillor Perry. That's fine. Thank you. Thank you. Our other speaker is the agent and John Boynes. Did I get your name correct? Baines. Baines. I do beg your pardon. It's handwritten here. Um, you have three minutes, Mr. Baines. Thank you, Chair. Uh, good afternoon, members. My name is John Baines. I am the Head of Planning at Lyndon Holmes Eastern. Uh, I'm here today to address you as landowner and applicant. You will not be surprised to hear that I am in full support of your officer's recommendation to approve our reserve matters application for this site south of Radwinter Road, Saffron Walden. Drawing on the officer's report, I would briefly make the following key points. Firstly, the principle of development of the site was established by the Outline Planning Commission granted in June 2015. Secondly, our proposals follow closely the master plan for the site which was approved at the outline stage. We comply with all main principles, including the number of new homes, the heights of the buildings, access arrangements, open space provision, the location of the school, and the provision of a link road to the southern boundary of the site to facilitate any potential future development to the south. Thirdly, we have worked hard with your officers on the detail of the layout to ensure that development management standards are met and in many cases exceeded in relation to back-to-back -back distances, garden sizes and car parking provision. Fourthly, the scheme has been revised to address the concerns of the Highways Authority, most recently by introducing the loop at the request of the county's engineers to overcome concerns about traffic congestion and safety of pupils and teachers. Fifthly, the mix of housing, including affordable housing and bungalows, accords with the Council's requirements and will make a beneficial contribution to meeting local need. And finally and fundamentally, we are proposing a high-quality, low-density development appropriate to this edge-of-town location. If permission is forthcoming this afternoon, we will deliver attractive new homes with high-quality landscaped open spaces that will ensure this development is an enjoyable place to live. I thank your officers for the diligence in working with us and for their comprehensive report, and I commend this scheme to you today. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Baines. Uh, before I, uh, we uh, open discussion on this, uh, councillors, just need to bear in mind this does have outline consent, as been pointed out, and I don't think we should allow ourselves to be over-concerned um, with areas outside of this application area. Okay, for comments, questions? Do I see none? Um, that's very strange. Uh, yes, Councillor Lodge. Microphone, please. Thank you. May have to make more than one, uh, one entrance. Um, echoing the concerns of the uh, of the town council, um, the, the developer appears to have failed significantly to engage with, with the town council and there have been left in here a, a, a number of issues which the town council is, is very concerned about. You've heard about particularly the provision of the, of the, 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 the housing mix and that seems to me to have 
considerable merit. Also in the Town Council's um, um, responses, there was, there was the issue of uh, tandem parking, which is also a, a concern of mine. Now, I, um, I would ask for advice on this. Do we have powers to stop tandem parking? Because I do think it is ridiculous on, a, on an enormous greenfield site like this that we can't um, organise the proper parking of, uh, of vehicles on the site. And then just thirdly, with, with regard to the town council issues, um, it's, it's, it's a fairly mean development in many ways as far as uh, play areas are concerned. It's very cramped in there. There is provision of a, of a, a, a play area which is to the, uh, to, the east of the, over to the eastern end of the site in the middle, um, which has got a hedge down the middle of it. Now, that really, really does not make... Uh, sensible use of a play area. So the children are going to stand on either side of the, the hedge and kick the ball over and have a reasonable game, are they? I, I think not. It is not beyond the wit of the developer to create a useful area. And so um, I'm, I'm in two minds as to how we want to, to deal with this, and I'll I'll take advice from, from other members on this. I mean, my inclination is to say, can we defer this? And I'm not going for deferral yet because I want a full discussion. But to, to defer to say, can the developer really address some of these issues, particularly with the town council, who have spent a great deal of effort and time on this, and I know they've had meetings, and I do think that they should be considered rather than dismissed in this way. So I'll just uh, end my first speech there, but I'd like to come back on another point, maybe, if, uh, if we could develop that in the, uh, with other members. Okay, thank you, Councillor. Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Chairman. I, I would also like to reserve uh, the wish to come back later on if, if necessary. But um, <clears throat> the Town Council has had two single-issue uh, meetings, long meetings, on this application. It was this, this, this case was the only uh, one that we were considering at the time. Uh, one a couple of days before Christmas, uh, and we also hosted the developer uh, at um, the town council offices or the town hall on two occasions. None of the suggestions that we made to the developer, not one, has been taken on board, uh, and I think the meeting with us was simply for the sake of form. They, they have to consult, and therefore consulting means being in the same room for a certain period of time. None of our suggestions or requests were taken on board. Now, if you look at this design, um, can we go back, uh, Maria, to the, I think, your second slide, which is the early master plan? Yeah. That's the one that was, I think, shown in 2014. Would that be right? Yeah. Um, and you can see that uh, the putative path, the, the putative path for the um, relief road, there's a dotted line, um, going north of the, uh, going actually east of the primary school. And then I think it links in with an area which goes down through the Kia site. Uh, now, we have to consider applications on their face value, but it would be madness, Chairman, for us not to take into account the fact that this particular development makes very little sense unless that relief road is put in place as well. So its location becomes very important. Now, at the moment... Uh, Maria, can we go back to the main view of the site, the one you were showing us just now? That, that's fine. At the moment, traffic entering the site will do so from the north. 
it will loop round, or you call it the avenue, or somebody calls it the avenue. It will drive past the front door of a large number of new houses. It veers to the left past the balancing pond. If you go right, you will end up in Shire Hill, which, as Councillor Perry has already pointed out, is very busy with parked cars. I know the claim is that can be fixed by simple traffic regulation measures, but we don't have any enforcement in Saffron Warden, so it's unlikely that the, any measures would be adequately enforced. Then it curves around, and on this map it terminates at the putative site for the primary school. So, according to this chairman, we're going to have trucks and traffic motoring through the middle of a housing estate, past the primary school, and then on to whatever other buildings. Now, this is absolutely absurd in my view. It makes no sense. Uh, if you look on the top left of that diagram, the spur which goes into the Shire Hill Industrial Estate, Councillor Perry, when he was speaking just now, asked that a Grampian condition be imposed on that. I support that. We successfully imposed a Grampian condition on the outline when it, before the outline consent was granted. Uh, the point is, Shire Hill is very busy, has lots of parking, and has heavy trucks. And if you look at the balancing pond, just on the, uh, slightly inside the estate, I am informed by HGV drivers that uh, that balancing pond will suffer seriously uh, from trucks attempting to negotiate that bend. But hey, what do we know about these things? So it's a strange thing to have um, a road which invites heavy traffic to pass through a housing estate and pass the primary school. There's also there's various other details with this, which I would like to come back, but it seems to me to be poorly thought out. The developers completely ignored most of the suggestions of the town council. We put a lot of time into this, and as already been pointed out, almost half of the houses, maybe slightly more than half, are four and five bedroom, nominally four and five bedroom. Of course, Saffron Warden is a very good place to buy a four or five bedroom house in which you can't get a double bed into your bedrooms. We have several of those already, and it looks as if we're about to have a few more. Uh, I don't think that we can support this application the way it is. It needs more work. It needs more thought. And for that matter, if we did come to a deferment, and I'm not proposing that, Chairman, because I think the discussion is very important, but if we did go for a deferment, it would give us more time to give this the time that it deserves. It's 200 houses, for goodness sake, and they're going to be there for 50 years. It's important for us to get it right. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you, Councillor. <clears throat> a couple of points you made there. Um, I made the observation that um, the this does have outline planning consent, and a load of the points that have been made so far, to my mind, um, were made and discussed at outline planning consent, and outline planning consent was given. So um, we need to focus our minds more definitely, I think, on what we're looking at here in detail. Um, the highways issues that you just raised about trucks negotiating a road <clears throat> that spine road is built to highway standards and uh, that has the approval of the highways uh, department. There wasn't an issue there and they in fact released their objection um, as was explained because the cul-de-sac outside of the school site, which is just a site at the moment, um, has been resolved. Um, when the school is constructed that will take care of its own on-site car parking requirements. So there's nothing for us to discuss there um, because that will be a separate application. Um, 
I, in the light of nobody else's hands being up at the moment, I'm going to propose that we accept the officer's recommendation for approval. Um, does that find a seconder? Councillor, Cha uh, Councillor Chambers, thank you. Do you wish to speak at this time? Not at the moment, thank you, Mr Chairman. I thank shall wait and see what happens. Thank you very much. Are there any further comments members wish to make? Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. I would like to ask um, if Councillor Lodge's objections to these hedges, could that be settled with the officers um, beforehand? Because I actually agree with them. It is daft to have a hedge where kids play. Um, there are going to be accidents waiting to happen. Um, so can that be discussed or do we have to vote for it as it stands? I'll ask Mrs Shoesmith to give us a line on that because there's something about the status of that hedge, I yeah. believe. The hedge has been retained. It follows through from the um, original, sorry, the outline application. Um, that's down to Ecology Grounds, um, which has sought to retain that hedge. And it's come through. Can I come can please well, wouldn't it have been more sensible then to put a playground where a hedge doesn't run down through the middle of it? Could that be negotiated or would, do we have to take this as gospel? We've got landscaping condition to come in. In terms of the main area of play, because there are a number of areas of um, sorry, um, open spaces that have been provided within the scheme, this isn't the sole area of... Um, sorry... <coughs> This isn't the sole area of um, open space that's being provided. The um, local uh, equipped area of play is located down here. That would be the core green um, that's being provided as part of the scheme. The other areas that are being provided are more informal areas of open space. Um, you've got, obviously... Um, paths that are running through the site which are providing um, open space either side as relief and um, to this side as well. This, as I said, has uh, been in, um, retained as a result of um, ecology concerns that were raised as part of the outline consent. Um, that's been retained together with the main hedge which is located to the south of the site as well. Um, there are, again, other air open areas along here and here which also form part of the application. Um, the ponds themselves um, would be fundamentally, as far as I am uh, am aware, um, dry. So um, in terms of the area that's been provided, um, I believe that is sufficient to cater for the scheme itself. Yes, Mr Brown, you're going to... <coughs> yeah, to add, a little, to add a little bit more to that from what Councillor Lodge said about the, uh, the open space and the, 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 the leaps, um, the Section 106, I'm sure, has, has the usual clauses in, in terms of linking it back to giving the Town Council the first option. I spent a very pleasant afternoon yesterday talking to the Town Council about a very similar issue. Um, um, that was after the fact rather than before the fact. Uh, this is an area whereby the area of play and the leaps, the, the, pro, the, the preference, although the preference will be for it to be up to a certain standard that the town council could pick it up to adopt it. That's where we would like to be, and I'm sure that's where potentially the developer and the residents would like to be. So therefore there would have to be engagement with the town council at that stage in terms of trying to put it forward to make it acceptable to have an early engagement. So I do pick up what Councillor Freeman said, that it would be better if the developer had been much more involved into it rather than ticking a box in terms of talking to you about the play space. But there is a way of doing that through the 106, and that's already there. Thank you, Mr Brown. Uh, Councillor Freeman. Chairman, very briefly, I'd like some guidance on this issue of 
the outline planning consent because I was here when that was granted on both occasions actually uh, and it gives you the right obviously to build up to the number of houses which have been consented but surely one doesn't have to necessarily accept the layout of the roads for example the detailed layout because the implication that I'm hearing is that well this is the layout of roads that was presented at outline um, and we have to accept it. I've seen plenty of examples, Chairman, of outline consent being granted and then another developer comes back with having taken over the property with an utterly different layout and it's usually not a problem. So why is it that we're holding so firmly to this particular layout of roads and houses and what have you? We, we have an application before us that needs determination. So. Um, you know, this is the, the one that's come forward. Um, it chimes with the master plan that we saw at uh, Outline Consent. So, um, our, any reasons for objecting to this have got to have some really sound, solid planning basis, and um, I'm struggling to find any. Uh, any other comments, members? Yes, Councillor Lodge. Yeah, I, I threatened to come back, so uh, here I am, and it's on a completely different issue. Um, and it, uh, it's, I'm particularly pleased that we have a, a representative uh, of Essex Highways here today. So, Matthew, good that you're here to, uh, to comment on, on my next point. And that is, in the, uh, in the Section 106 agreement, para paragraph 1.31, uh, it describes the link road as a link road linking, linking through the site from Radwinter Road to allow access to the Thaxted Road. Uh, and uh, part of that schedule requires that the link road shall have been built prior to the occupation of 50% of the houses. Um, so we have here a, a situation where we can presume that the, the so-called avenue is to be the link road. Now it's, it's my, my understanding that according to Essex guidelines uh, on this, link roads such as this should not run through uh, housing estates, which this one does. It should absolutely not run straight past um, a school, particularly a new school, which we're just about to site there. Uh, and whilst some of the opposition from Essex Highways appears to have been uh, overcome, uh, and it's actually been quite difficult to, uh, to assimilate what has been said because of the late arrival of information. Notwithstanding that, they appear not to have commented on the suitability of that particular road as the link road. So that is the point I could maybe ask Matthew to address. Yes, if could. We do have uh, representatives here, as Councillor Lodge indicated, from Highway, so I'd invite Matthew to respond to that, please. Yeah, from, um, <coughs> from an Essex County Council um, viewpoint, the, uh, the, the link run formed part of a, a highway strategy which was supported the work which was done on a previous iteration of the, uh, of the local plan. Uh, and that, that plan was obviously subsequently found unsound and, and, and that piece of work you know, was, was, was set aside. Uh, what was left after this particular site had been to uh, committee outline stage was obviously an outline consent for this area of land and as has already been mentioned today that, that, that's what we have in front of us to consider as, uh, as part of this planning application. 
Um, from Essex County Council's viewpoint, it's unclear moving forward what the position of the local plan will be in terms of other allocations of land to the south, and that's a matter for Uttlesford District Council. And on that basis, yeah, the Highway Authority have, have looked at the planning application that's been put before us, taken guidance from officers, and reached the conclusions that we have in respect of uh, the application which uh, Maria has circulated. Thank you, Councillor Lodge. Apologies, but I didn't really answer the question. What is Essex County Council's position on running this type of link road through a housing estate and next to a school? We would have to consider that. If, if other allocations come forward in terms of uh, and, and what the actual function of this road will be, I mean, uh, there, are, there are two schools of thought. There's a traditional kind of bypass approach which can be taken in respect of any kind of relief road. Manual for Streets is another document which is sort of relevant to the Highway Authority and we take advice from there also. And that looks to actually accommodating development alongside such roads also. So there are, there are two schools of thought in terms of how this could actually work if and when it ever became a link road. Thank you. Yes, Councillor Lodge. There, um, Matt has mentioned, mentioned uh, iterations of the local plan, and part of that has been uh, obviously guidance from Essex Highways on um, the, um, the, the, the route of the link road, particularly on the nature of the link road, along with the much broader issue of traffic in Saffron Walden. Um, in a draft, if I could quote from a draft report which was released about two months ago, um, let me just find this here. Um, and this is taken from the Essex Highway Support. It is recommended that the Eastern Link Road is routed appropriately around Manor Oaks development and routed sensitively through or around the LP sites to the south. It should be of a standard that will attract traffic to reassign to it and should not compromise the environment of the residential development and should enable other highway mitigation measures to be implemented across the town. This plan absolutely patently does not not follow S's guidelines and I would like to propose here for me, as a result of that this application is turned down. Uh, thank you Mr. Uh, Councillor Lodge. There is a proposal for approval already to be determined. Um, Mr. Brown you wanted to come in. Um, and I'm not going to criticise Matthew for this because he had to mention the word local plan and uh, we have, no, we have a, an adopted local plan for 2005, people know that. We have no draft local plan at the moment. We have no draft local plan, we have no proposed allocations within the non-draft local plan. Even if we had, it would have very little weight. So we are all we have is a 2005 local plan and an outline planning application. So therefore, the iterations of the link road are, was on the basis of the emerging local plan at that time. The link road does not link to anywhere. The land to the south has not got planning permission. We haven't even got a planning application in for the land to the south for the application. And the Keir site further down was a site, as members know, was refused at the same meeting as the outline planning permission for this one was approved. And that's possibly where some of the problems have emerged. And so that particular one was application was dismissed at appeal. So the only applications or allocations or anything in that area is this site's outline planning permission. What Councillor Lodge has just read from 
is a report in the basis of regarding the local plan and uh, this not on the basis of this application and this application is a reserved matters application for which this amount of houses have been approved planning permission to be accessed off Radwinter Road and, uh, and it is a cul-de-sac and it is a road that goes all the way down and all the way back that's why there was a requirement for a loop to come out the other end we are where we are but this is a reserved matters application and that's it there is any iterations towards the local plan is irrelevant towards this application um, and it needs to be it's, it's much more simpler than what members think it may be it is a reserved matters application where access has been committed there has been some reserved matters issues raised regarding play spaces but in my opinion the matter is as clear as clear as day in terms of what we do and it, the, the, the status of that road is not a link road it's an estate road that's exactly what it is indeed thank you <coughs> right Councillor Lodge um, I understand to a degree what you're saying, uh, Nigel. However, the, the section 106 itself describes this as a link road, and it says that the link road will have to have been completed, presumably to Essex standards for such a road, before 50% of the houses have been built. How are we going to do that? That the 106 need amending? Mm -hmm. Is that one for you, Nigel, or one for the legal? The, the requirement for this was that a road should go up to the boundary, the link road should go up to the boundary, and 50% of the link road within the application sites, not a link road through three application sites. So you can build 50 you can build the road within this application site which goes to a dead end currently and we don't know what's coming forward afterwards um, by the 50th house and fulfil that section 106. Sorry, this, this, there's still woolly thinking here. This has got to be a link road, a link road standards, um, which Essex have got to specify. Well, whether it eventually goes anywhere or not is irrelevant, as I think the Chairman has, has pointed out. I think what the, the inference is, from what I can gather, if I may, um, <clears throat> if it forms a, the, the um, function of a link road, the houses in the estates that it links, 50% of those, um, this, the link road has to be there before 50% of those are constructed. We are looking at something that is not a link road, it's an estate road and needs to be built to serve the estate. That's not what the section 106 agreement says. It describes it as a link road and it's clear what its purpose is. Therefore, this could be thought of as a little bit of planning ahead. If this does turn out to be the link road to a bigger development to the east uh, of Saffron Walden, then it needs to be fit for purpose. And we are not capable at this moment of making a decision. And Essex have not given their views specifically on this. And we can't make that decision at this moment, I think, in my assertion. Councillor Lodge, the first word of your, what you've just said is the important word, is if. Yeah. At the moment, there is nothing on the table in terms of allocation to the south. Unfortunately, this application will, will potentially influence what happens later in terms of what's been approved. But this is, this, is, this is an application with an outline plan of permission. The link road 
is, it is semantics. The, the, the road itself has a, has a geometric requirement for it to be, which this fulfils. And I think the issue over whether it becomes a link road or not is about whether it's desirability for it to be used. I think, am I right on that one? Yes. <laughs> could I, sorry, could I... There's a section within the, um, an element within the 106 which actually defines what the link road is, which they refer to within the 106 and what is meant by link road. In um, paragraph 1.31 within the 106, it says the link road and its definition shall mean the 6.75 metre wide road with 2 metre footpath on one side and 3 metre cycleway on the other to be constructed on the land between Radwinter Road and the southern boundary of the land in such a position to allow for to allow a new road to be built linking the land to Thaxted Road to be provided by the adjoining landowner in the future if required. Um, And for the avoidance of doubt does not include any road or part of the road to be constructed outside of the land. There is also a condition within the outline application which seeks that this road is to that standard of 6.75 metres, which this complies with. Thank you for that, Mrs Shoesmith. I think that clarifies it nicely, Councillor Lodge. Um, Right, in the absence of no further comments, we have a proposal for approval. Councillor Chambers. Can can I just come back on one minor issue? Now we're getting back, hopefully, to the substantive motion, uh, Mr Chairman. Um, I was concerned about uh, the hedge that runs down and, and actually having to keep that hedge down there. Surely, if it were possible, it could be negotiated with the developers and with, obviously, the conservation officer or what have you. Instead of having a hedge that goes straight down, you could have a couple of small slices taken out so that you can actually see. That would help enormously. Yeah, we, it's we, only a Mickey Mouse no, thing. We, we, I, think, I think Mr Brown covered that in his... I, I think that could be done it. and that would solve it, hmm. in which case I have no further comments. Mr. Okay, thank you. So um, we have a proposal and that's been seconded for approval subject to the conditions as noted. Um, all those in favour, please show. That's five. And against? Three. Any abstentions? One abstention. So that application is approved. Thank you. And the next item on our agenda is item 3.2, application 162436. It's an application for full planning consent at Felsted. And Mrs Denmark will make our presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. 
This application relates to the former Dunmo Skip site in Felsted. The site has the benefit of outline planning permission for 40 dwellings and a reserved matters application was approved under reference UTT 1615 DFO for the development. Works have commenced on site and have reached an advanced stage. This application seeks to vary condition two of the reserved matters decision. And I think you need an explanation as to how we've ended up in this particular situation. The reserved matters um, consent was subject to four conditions. Condition one required the submission and approval of drainage scheme prior to um, works commencing on site. Condition two required the landscaping scheme uh, works to be carried out in accordance with the approved drawing, which was PR 02901B. <clears throat> Condition three required the submission and approval of protection for boundary hedges and trees prior to works commencing on site. And condition four required the submission and approval of a construction method statement prior to works commencing on site. An application was submitted to discharge conditions one, three and four, which was reference UTT 160548DOC. The construction method statement was approved, but the details in respect of conditions one and three were refused for the reasons as set out in paragraphs 10.7 and 10.8 on pages 80 and 81 of the agenda. Essentially, the tree protection details were refused on the basis that the brandish screening had already been removed. The drainage details were also refused on the lack of information. As already said, the condition two of the reserved matters decision required the landscaping to be carried out in accordance with the approved plan. This landscaping can be carried out as approved. However, the, the approved drawing showed the retention of the existing landscaping to the boundaries, and this has been removed. So this application seeks to get approval for a new landscaping scheme, which would include the new boundary screening, um, which would be along this area here. The removal of the existing landscaping has resulted in significant harm to the character of the rural area. The proposed planting, as shown on the submitted drawing, is acceptable in terms of species mix, but it will take some time to become established. However, it would go some way towards mitigating the adverse impacts following the actions of the developer, and on balance, it is recommended that the application be approved. And for, there's no way you're going to read that previous plan. Um, this gives you um, a better idea of the proposed um, species that they're um, planning on planting along that boundary. Due to the removal of the existing landscaping, there is the potential that residents of new properties would seek to erect fences along the boundaries onto open countryside whilst the landscaping becomes established. If these were close-bordered fences, these would result in significant harm to the character of the rural area, and therefore a new condition for has been recommended which removes permitted development right for the erection of fences. The application is therefore recommended for approval as set out in the agenda. Thank you, Mrs. Denmark. We have one speaker on this application, which is the applicant's agent, uh, William Vogt. You have three minutes, Mr. Vogt.
Good afternoon, Chair and Members. I am William Vogt, Senior Planner for Persimmon Homes. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to address the Committee. Firstly, Persimmon Homes like to hold up their hands in terms of removal of the hedge, which is a mistake. It should never have happened. However, I would like to be clear about what we are discussing here today relates to the positive solution to that problem and a way to move forward and draw close to this unresolved situation. The proposed hedge can be planted in the coming spring. It includes a variety of native species and will flourish into an attractive, complete and natural screen around the approved housing. As it identified in the Officer's Report, which recommends approval, there is an appropriate mix of hedge species proposed and the landscaping is deemed to be acceptable. Accordingly, notwithstanding the mistakes of the past, the proposal presented before you today is the right one, with no technical or policy objections. As such, I respectfully ask the members agree to support the officer's recommendation for approval. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Vogt. Um, yes, you can. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and thank you. Um, firstly, um, thank you for your upfront apology. Um, uh, the problem with developers pulling out hedgerows that should be left in place and um, worked upon and extended and improved um, is one of great concern to right across the district for all of our um, areas and uh, it's something that we take very seriously and uh, we want to make sure that in recompense we get a good solid proposal and a scheme as a result. Uh, members, any comments? Can I just say something before you get yeah. to members? Um, you will pick up from Karen's tone when she was speaking that there's anger in what she just said, and, and I share that anger. Um, and having spoken, having heard the agent just speak, this is very irregular for me to do things like this, but having heard the agent speaking, I'm even more slightly angry as well, because he said I would be planting them in the spring. He won't. He'd be planting it before the spring. Um, because the planting season rolls, is, he should be planting it right now. He doesn't need your consent to carry out this planting. He could have done it by now. The application was submitted in November. We've been having these discussions for most of the winter about this application. And uh, so, as, as similar to a discussion I had with the same developer yesterday, there is an issue about, you know, this doesn't take in the spring. We could be still sitting here in... In, uh, in the autumn, waiting for it to be replanted. So we will be requesting them to do it before the spring, i.e. over the next few weeks. What they are doing is replacing a hedge that they shouldn't have taken out in the first place. The end result will eventually be the same as what we had before, but it's all completely unnecessary. If they do not do that, and this is not the remit from you, this is a remit, and I, I need to give an undertaking from officers here, if we do not see this being planted before the end of the month, and we're, we're, we're quite a big chunk of January left, then I will be moving to serve an enforcement notice to ensure that they do it as well. But we need to be clear here that obviously that enforcement notice has a right of appeal. So if we don't see any movement from the, from the developer way before the spring, spring is far too late to be planting things like this, as members will know. So I need to make it quite clear to members that in strong terms that there is still a potential enforcement issue around this matter as well. Do our, I'll come to you in a moment, uh, Councillor. Do our conditions um, reflect that, uh, Mr Brown? Well, that is, another, sorry, that is another option for members as well. Um, I don't think... I'm just trying to... Condition 2 is what I'm looking at. Yeah, we could strengthen up Condition 2, actually, to actually request that it's... Um, 
to actually carry it out, not before the spring, but by a shorter period, so sort of possibly from a month from today, because these, these trees should be in order, ready to be planted. You know, so we could change the two to be by a certain date, and if that doesn't happen, that's almost positive enforcement by putting it by way of a condition, if members approve this, and that's a backstop. If they don't appeal with that condition, then we've got the right to take enforcement action as well. Strengthens it up very strongly. Thank you very much. Councillor Lockley. Thank you. Uh, <coughs> it just seems a bit strange. Oops, accidentally knocked that hedge over. Better plant another one if I have to. Uh, I just wondered, is there any penalty that we could uh, inflict or send a, a warning, not only to Persimmon but to other developers, that we won't tolerate um, accidental removal of hedges? Um, because some of these are ancient hedges that take a very long time to grow and can't be replaced. And it's okay for us to say, oh, yeah, very pretty, we've got a field road, etc., etc. Um, but it shouldn't have happened. And I, I just wonder if there's any penalty that we can impose, on, not just on Persimmon, but on any developer that accidentally pours a, a load of concrete on top of greater crested newts or uh, knocks down hedges. Mr Brown is going to give us some guidance on the enforcement situation in respect the, of this application. The ultimate sanction, to be honest with you, is, is, is to serve an enforcement notice at an earlier stage, um, which I think we, did have the, we didn't have the opportunity here because it was a bit more complex because there was a specific drawing that it wasn't done in accordance with. Um, but I think to serving the enforcement can, can harm sales. Uh, that's all it can do. By serving an enforcement notice... Um, we, we have got powers under, under proceeds of crime, which we don't operate here, but I'm trying to move to actually do that, to actually penalty them more than just the fine of, of not of breaching enforcement notice. We can give a message, but you know, there is a general arrogance around some developers in terms of it's just collateral damage at the end of the day, but I fully agree with your views on that particular issue. Yes, I think the, I'll come to you, Councillor Roman. I think the issue on um, harming of sales, I mean, the lenders on finance for the properties must be sure that all conditions have been satisfactorily clear. Councillor Freeman. Yeah, thank you, Chairman. I would be um, very happy to see a condition whereby planting takes place within, say, two or three weeks. There is no excuse for not doing this. And I certainly agree with uh, Councillor Lachlan that um, we need to be much more robust in the way that we handle non-compliance by developers. Uh, there are huge sums of money involved here. It's just a matter of care and attention. And I agree that um, with Councillor Lachlan's, I think, suggestion or, that sometimes these things just happen in a convenient way. I think it's important that enforcement is carried out and that we, in future, if you um, are able to implement a proceeds from crime uh, clause or principle, I would be very happy to support that. We are in great need of it. Thank you. Any other comments? Councillor Mills. <coughs> Thanks, Chairman. Um, I drive past this most days. It's the messiest, worst site I've seen in this district. Um, they've removed this fence hedge because it's made the construction process much easier. They can park vehicles off the road or on the edge of road. Um, so it was done deliberately. It wasn't done by accident. Um, I'm in agreement with all the other officers. Um, I know we've got to basically accept this now because it's the only mitigation we've got, but um, I think people should be aware that we'd look much closer at developments that came in in future from certain developers that do fly in the face of uh, the proper way of doing things. So um, although we will be supporting this application, I don't think they should uh, 
be sitting there complacent to the point where we're not aware of what is happening. Thank you. Councillor Hicks. Thank you, Jim. Um, is there any way we can uh, impose a condition that uh, the, regarding <coughs> the maturity of the planting so that there is uh, um, a much sooner return to what was there originally than uh, would otherwise be the case? I think that was, that was the aim when we got the landscaping in, in the first place, but in, in, in essence, the nature of the, what we're actually getting to replace, it will take some time. But I think the, the, the landscape officer, would, the important thing was to get a, a quick gain by doing this. And so I think we've already achieved that in terms of the scheme that's been submitted. Um, but I don't know if there's any other things we can do regarding. The ones specified on the plans are between 60 and 80 centimetres tall, so they're not mature specimens, but um, that's where you want to go. I'm not going to stop you. So the hedge that's being planted is just hedging. There's no specimen trees within it. I, I must admit I'm not very good on um, no that it's just hedging um, you've got the details there yeah. um, the, the, the main issue in terms of I'm not yeah. saying it's the only it was the only issue but it was a serious issue was the removal of a hedge that was what the critical mm -hmm. issue is um, the problem we've got regarding any enforcement is there is case law regarding planning enforcement whereby you can't serve an enforcement notice and require a scheme to be submitted. You have to almost you have to provide that scheme. That's that's the peculiarities of, of dealing with enforcement issues where you, you can't that's part part of what the issue that we had when the trees started coming out. Because what would have had to happen is a trees landscape officer or we would have actually engaged someone to come up with a landscaping scheme that worked and then enforce that as part of the scheme. The, the enforcement they, they have now provided an acceptable landscaping scheme that will actually ultimately come back and, and the, the best way of doing it is, is in the terms of what we've actually got there. And I think in terms of any movement to get it more mature, if we could make even more mature stuff submitted, then a landscape officer would have requested that, to be honest. So I think to ask for anything more would make it very difficult in terms of enforcement. So what the issue is, we've got a landscaping scheme, that will be the terms of an enforcement notice if and when we serve one. And, and so therefore that makes life a lot easier for us. I hear where you're coming from in terms of making sure the trees are more mature, but I think the landscape officer's input into that has ensured that we've got the most mature ones that we can get. Okay, Councillor Riles. Actually, Nigel, I, I disagree with you because even though we have a scheme that's designed by um, uh, your conservation officer, I am sure that <coughs> you could go and buy very mature trees that would accelerate um, the regrowth or the replacement, it will just cost the developer that much more the money. Trees. No, no, they're not trees, they're hedges. Okay, whichever. <coughs> and the issue around hedges <coughs> is 
I don't, I'm not even charging my own garden, let alone landscaping <laughs> elsewhere. But in terms, of, in, in terms of the way that you manage hedges, is the way in which they grow, which may mean you start off with a smaller, more, less mature one, and you train them in such a way that they become hedges, as opposed to a mature tree. If you put a mature tree in, that will remain a tree. And that in itself is not what we're trying to achieve here. We're trying to achieve a hedgerow here. And the way you do that is by probably less... Um, mature trees than you would normally have in terms of your planting. That's what the all issue is. It's the removal of a hedgerow here, serious removal of a hedgerow that was fulfilling a function. It was not about planting trees because the original landscaping scheme had planting trees on there, which has, you know, they didn't take any trees. There wasn't any trees that shouldn't have been removed. It was a hedgerow that should have been removed. <coughs> okay, well, I'm about your superior yeah, knowledge yeah. on how hedgerows grow, but I would have thought if there's a mature one we could plonk in there, then I'd like to see that because I know it's going to cost the developer more money. We've already had this issue in Takeley where another developer uh, arrogantly knocked down a, 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 some hedgerows. Um, I, don't, I don't know what the outcome of that one is at the moment, but um, they seem to be getting off scot-free. So whatever we need to do to increase the penalty or put some uh, teeth into these uh, conditions, can we please do it? I think the time issue has done that because um, my, my, my guessing was that the developer hasn't ordered these trees yet, so they're going to have to get these trees as a priority hedges. from somewhere. Hedges, as we've got me doing it now. To actually, they haven't potentially ordered these hedgerow yet. The condition will require them to plant them within a reasonable period, so they're going to have to get them at a priority, may have to import them from somewhere, um, and that in itself will cost them. That's not the aim. The aim is to get it all back, and if it costs the developer a bit more, well, that's tough. Yeah, but can tough. we put a date in the uh, condition? The date will be in the condition, date, and I think we're, we're looking at a condition, say the... Not a, re a reasonable time. A reasonable period. We've said three weeks, so I think, you know, that, uh, put a date upon that, that more or less is the end of the month, isn't it? Okay. Councillor Hicks. And thank you, Chairman. And I don't know what the normal procedure is, but uh, um, I would hope that um, Head of Planning will be writing a very strong letter, in strongest possible terms, to Persimmon Homes to um, express our displeasure at the um, uh, careless attitude to the um, um, planning application we granted there, and uh, perhaps they should bear in mind that they may want to come to us with future planning permissions and think about that uh, very carefully. Okay. That's yes. noted. Yes. We'll do that. Thank you, Councillor Hicks. Um, I just made a note. Um, our conditions don't actually state that no fences should be erected, I don't believe. Condition 4 does. It says notwithstanding the provisions of the Town and Country Planning General Printed Development Order, blah, 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 no fences, gates or walls shall be constructed within the site or on the site yes, boundaries. Thank, thank you, Mr. Denmark. I stand corrected. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, as another point of that, because obviously some of these houses have now been built and people are living in those houses, which is fair enough, um, we will be having to write to those people to be telling them that. And uh, so that may have some kickback in terms of the, the purchases with, their, with the developer as well, because that is an didn't buy houses with PD rights taken away, but quite rightly, Karen is suggesting that we do that. Yep, indeed. Okay, fine. Um, do we have a, a Councillor Mills? A recommendation for approval. Thank you very much. That finds a seconder. Councillor Hicks, thank you very much. Um, in the absence of any further comments, we'll go to the vote on that. All in favour, please show with the amended condition. Thank you. That's unanimous. Thank you very much. That application is approved.
We now move on to item 3.3, application 16-2538. It's an application for full planning consent at Newport. And Mr Theobald will make our presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. This revised application, full application, relates to the demolition of an existing dwelling at Red Bank and the construction of five dwellings, five detached dwellings, including associated parking and also new access road served from Berry Water Lane. I say it's revised because the previous application on this site was refused for seven uh, dwellings and similar access road provision on the, the grounds that the, the scale of development by the, the quantum of dwellings and also uh, the, the parking arrangements and amenity were not up to, to standard uh, on the um, Council's Gen 2 policy, even though that was an outline application. So this application, uh, it involves one three-bedroom unit, which is plot one, which is the first dwelling on the left-hand side, and then four, uh, four bed units, plots two, three, four, and five. The dwellings would be of traditional design, uh, slates, tile, uh, facing brickwork, and weatherboarding. The access road would be 3.7 metres wide uh, and also for its first 8 metres wider at 5.5 metres to comply with Essex County Council requirements and it would be 4.8 metres wide at the central turning area as you can see in the middle of the site. Now this application as revised is also different insofar as it includes a communal bin collection area at the front of the site onto Baywater Lane where you can see that kink um, on the wider section of the mouth of the access that is where there will be a bin collection point although the width of the access road is wide enough to um, take a refuse uh, lorry um, as you can see where there's been a swept path analysis done to show that it can come into the site uh, and then reverse and come out in forward gear and obviously the same applies for access for emergency vehicles and removals, vehicles, etc. Now, just go through the elevations. This is plot one. This is the three-bed unit. Plots two and three, they are similar. Plot four and plot five. Plot five having the... Uh, a sort of a extended area to, to the, uh, the bottom of the, the dwelling there. This is just to refresh um, the memory of members who didn't do the site inspection uh, for the previously refused application for this site for the seven dwelling scheme. This is looking east from the mouth of the access where that telegraph pole is and the garage, looking back towards the school. This is looking the other way uh, towards uh, White Ditch Lane. That's looking obviously into the site. Now on the right hand side on that raised embankment is a public footpath 
which runs along the eastern flank boundary of the site all the way along up um, past the eastern boundary of Wyndham's Croft to the, the top of White Ditch Lane. This is the dwelling itself to be demolished um, towards the top of the site. And this is looking back down uh, to Berrywater Lane from the bungalow at the top of the site. And this is looking across obliquely towards, um, I think, Chatham House, down towards the um, Berrywater Lane again. Yeah. Um, just to summarise, and as in the report, this amended scheme, uh, which reduces the number of dwellings from seven to five, now means that all dwellings on the site are com compliant with minimum garden standards. They are all 100 square metres or more, uh, particularly plot five, and therefore compliant in that respect. Also, with this revised scheme, the parking provision for each dwelling is compliant in as much as uh, there are uh, three parking spaces uh, for each dwelling uh, with four for the plot five where there's a, a garage um, for two. And also they are all either 5.5 by 2.9 hard standing spaces per dwelling or the garage at the end, the twin garage is seven by three metres internal floor area. There's also visitor parking, which is shown at the back of the uh, central turning area, and given the fact it's 0.25 uh, parking space ratio per dwelling, it therefore complies. As far as concertees are concerned, there are no um, concertee objections, where notably Essex County Council Highways have not objected to this scheme, where the access arrangements are fully compliant. They didn't object to the previously refused scheme, I should add. Um, the site is not in a flood risk zone, it's flood risk one. And also Essex County Council Ecology have not raised any ecology objections. So in the conclusions for this uh, revised scheme, um, it's considered that the changes made to the design and layout and also the removal of two dwellings for this, this backland site um, is uh, a much improved scheme and uh, removes those grounds for refusal under the previous application as submitted, fully overcomes those reasons for refusal and the application Chairman is therefore recommended for approval with no section 106 requirements. Thank you. Thank you Mr Theobald. Now we have uh, three speakers listed for this application, the first of whom is Councillor Hargreaves, a local ward member. Um, you have... Does it really? Okay then, protocol to the wind. Um, from the Parish Council, Judy Emanuel. Thank you. Thank you for letting me speak. It doesn't work in these other Okay. Okay. Thank you. The issue with this application is the access of Berry Water Lane. The Essex Highways recommendation deals only with the access width once off the lane. However, there is no documentation demonstrating that the applicants and highways have considered the width of Berry Water Lane itself and the parking by nearby residents and school transports, which can severely constrain access. 
The applicant's access document claims that a fire tender and similar vehicles could access the site, but the only swept analysis provided is a turning point within the site. It is most significant that they provide no swept analysis of the turning off Berry Water Lane. They publish sight lines, which are not the issue, although they also publish photographs showing no vehicles on the road or parked opposite, which is not reality. The houses opposite the proposed access have no off-street parking or garages. To make matters worse, there is no footway on their side of the lane, so residents park their cars opposite the entrance and fill up a significant width of the lane. Berrywater Lane is so narrow it's below any modern highway standard, something confirmed by an Essex Essex officer speaking here in 2013 who said it was so far below standard he had no computer model to analyse the traffic through the school. In addition, the residents of the neighbouring property South View park their cars on their run-in, which further restricts the turning space as well as blocking sight lines. In contrast, the applicant's plan of Berrywater Lane shows no vehicles parking anywhere, actually no vehicles at all. To make the access even more restricted, at school times the school transports, currently 17 single and double-decker buses plus <coughs> private vehicles, park up all along the lane, part on the footway, part on the highway. At this time, which can be up to an hour before school finishes, all access, never mind turning, is highly restricted. The lane is at that time only one way, a voluntary arrangement, and sometimes is blocked entirely. Photos showing this were published in the previous application. At present, the non-school traffic here is mostly from the 14-house Willow Vale Estate and a few houses along White Ditch Lane. This is about to change dramatically. Another 55 houses have been given permission on White Ditch Lane, 85 houses further up Berry Water Lane, plus 90 flats and bungalows, a 50-bed care home, and there are more applications in process. progress. Sorry. Plus, the Joyce Franklin Academy is having another year group, adding another year group, and intends to build an estate on its grounds, accessing off Berry Water Lane. UDC Policy Gen 1 covers access, and it says development will only be permitted if the access is capable of carrying the traffic generated by the development safely. Paragraph 3.7 of the 2005 local plan says the cumulative impact of developments will also be taken into account. Without a swept analysis of the access off Berrywater Lane showing the restriction created by vehicles parked both opposite and adjacent, and also analysis showing access when the buses are parked up, the Parish Council, our District Councillors and the Neighbours believe this application fails to demonstrate compliance with Policy Gen 1 and therefore must be rejected. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs. Emmanuel. Um, and now, Councillor, of all Councillor, Councillor Hargreaves, and you have five minutes, Councillor. Thank you. Um, I have uh, three points to make. Uh, first, I'd like to emphasise a point on the need for a swept analysis of the access off Berrywater Lane. The officer, by the way, said analysis had been done, but actually the only one is the, is the analysis in the site itself, not the access. Um, in the committee's previous site visit, which would have been mid-morning, mid-week, you would not have seen the buses, and some of the cars opposite would not have been there. So you probably saw it uh, at its best. Uh, the buses often block individual house access and typically park over the end of the corners um, so you can just about squeeze a car through. Sometimes they block completely and there's this bus rage. And this is not just for a few minutes. They park up very early and when the first cohort of buses leaves, the next lot arrive, 
they've been parked up at the county high and they come round uh, doing a circuit. So it's important that the swept analysis be done also showing the effect of the parked up school transports. Uh, my second point is not, it's not strictly a planning matter, but it's something I think you should, you should know. Uh, this application is clearly struggling to meet the highway's requirement to widen the one vehicle track between the, the footpath and south view. And to do it, they propose to take land where the footpath is, which they don't own. Uh, the footpath belongs to the school, uh, and when the trustees sold the building plot to the adjacent house, Rivendell, the path next to it was not part of the sale. Um, this application is required to make no Section 106 contributions for anything, education, health, no affordable housing, nothing to ameliorate the highways problems. And at the time when the school is under severe financial pressure, they now seek to take land without buying it or offering compensation. Now, I know this is not a planning matter, but I tell you this for a reason. It's my third point. Um, to widen the access, they propose to remove part of the hedge, put in a very tall retaining wall, move the footpath, and put in at the entrance an open wheelie bin area with a high wall behind and railings on top to stop pedestrians like falling over the edge. Uh, no, design, no material design is specified. It could be con concrete and any sort of railings. Now, we know that bins are often put out early, and there are always those who never take them in. Now, this is opposite the conservation area, which here includes uh, it's a row of seven 18th century cottages. And the conservation area report notes that the views out are just as important as the views in. And here we have a view of a grass bank and hedge being replaced by, among other things, a utility area, which is likely to have bins present 24-7. So you might consider this is trivial, but each little degradation is, is cumulative. And in this case, what for? The village has, has hundreds of houses in progress. The district doesn't need these either. They would make no financial contribution. And because of the unsuitable access, they're intending to take the school's land and add to the congestion of the highway. So there is no community benefit. So I think the committee is entitled to give this application a, a, a close scrutiny. So please could the committee ask the conservation officer to do a report on the impact of this application um, and uh, refuse both on these grounds and as well as on uh, Gen 1. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor. And the final speaker is the applicant's agent, Mr Dagg. You have three minutes, Mr Dagg. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman, members. Can I first thank uh, Mr Theobald for a very full, comprehensive uh, report. Can I emphasise that this is a fully detailed scheme? Can I also report, sorry, can I very much emphasise uh, that this uh, proposal is a response to the November uh, 2015 refusal that was, of course, was uh, made very clear by what Mr Theobald had to say. Uh, can I emphasise that when development of this site was first considered, ten units were in issue. Uh, there was then a response to that refusal, uh, went down to seven, as Mr Theobald uh, mentioned, then uh, reduced to five, so gone down from seven to five. You now have uh, before you uh, four detached four-bedroom units and one three-bedroom unit, 
self-evidently, the whole layout is very much more uh, generous and relaxed than uh, previously. Uh, everything is to standard. Uh, these are uh, generous uh, houses in terms of space standards. The gardens are all to standard, uh, and the car parking is all to standard, including uh, two visitor spaces. Uh, can I emphasize that the scheme before you is the product of uh, constructive negotiation between Ford Wells uh, and the authority, including fairly late amendments to include a three-bedroom uh, unit? Uh, and can I emphasize that as far as standards are concerned, uh, in totality, the access, the parking and the safeguarding of the public footpath are all as required and there are no uh, highway authority objections. Responding quickly to what has been said just now by the two councillors, can I just remind you of what the reasons for refusal were on the previous occasion? It's at 5.3 in Mr. Theobald's uh, report. You have the reason for refusal there. What the members are raising now effectively comes to objections in principle to development of this site for any kind of estate development. Your previous refusal focused upon the way in which the site was being laid out. It did not focus upon the relationship between development of this site and the operation of Berrywater Lane. As I've just said, what effectively is being said now, the development in principle of this site is incorrect. Uh, that would be extremely difficult to sustain. Uh, there are no highway objections to this. There is, of course, uh, uh, advice available to you just now from Mr. Brown, but uh, in my submission to you, it would be uh, extremely difficult in an appeal context uh, to uh, sustain the objections which are just being put forward now uh, by councillors. Uh, there was a point made with regard to uh, two matters, footpath and bin storage. Those were raised before. They've been dealt with now satisfactorily. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Dagg. Right, members, uh, questions, queries. Councillor Lochan. Um, just a question. As it's adjacent to a conservation area, can we know why the conservation officer, well, if they were consulted, why there's nothing in the report? Uh, that's because um, they weren't consulted. They were? No. Or they were? Sorry, why? Uh, as it's why not? Um, well, Does it not need to be if it's adjacent uh, to a conservation area? Obviously, there, there is a uh, uh, requirement when there's going to be impact on the adjacent conservation area. Um, the, uh, the point is, as far as I'm concerned, that the, the access from Berrywater Lane to the uh, the main part of the site is obviously serving just as an access and therefore the, the area to the, the, the back of the access um, in my view is, is not sufficiently impacted um, on the uh, adjacent conservation area so that is the reason why I felt there wasn't an appropriate uh, need to consult the conservation team. Sorry, I think that's a great pity because there are 17th or 16th century, whatever, there's a row, and I know them because my boys went to Newport. There, you know, there is a row of, of ancient houses opposite, and I would have actually thought, only from a personal opinion, that it actually does impact on those houses. But you obviously felt fit not to uh, consult, so I can't say anything about that, but I think it's a pity. Any further comments, councillors? Okay. Um, I've got oh, Councillor Freeman. 
Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, the swept path analysis is a thing which does slightly bother me about this. Can we see the photographs, please, of the road outside? They're fairly on it, uh, yes, indeed. Well, as you can see, the, the cottages to which Councillor Auckland has just referred are in the extreme right of that picture. Um, normally, there are cars parked all along the front of them. I, I certainly know that. I use the road quite frequently myself. And the egress from this site is actually that very small bit of lane on the left, that, that one there. And it is also true that people park outside the garage, which is the uh, left of this image. Uh, and why wouldn't they? It's their property, and there's no means of stopping them doing that. I, I'd like to see a swept path analysis carried out uh, by whoever does that sort of thing. Um, at this junction, I think it is one of the considerations we ought to be... Uh, it's, it's, it's information which we should have at our disposable for making the decision. Thank you, Councillor Freeman. Uh, Mr Brown would like to add something yeah, to your comment. I wasn't, I wasn't here for November's, that November's committee. I think it was the last committee I didn't come to, actually. But it, I wasn't here, so I didn't know how the discussion went. So it sounds to me that, that this might have been how the, how the discussion went last time. But to pick up uh, Mr Dagg's comments, um, 5.3 is the reason why you refused the last application. So it is inferred by refusing it for that reason that the application was okay for 10 applications. So therefore, to actually bring up new issues is, so that is the, if you like, the link from your last application when you consider an application for seven. So members need to be wary that they, they can't really bring up other issues other than that. Uh, my comment, I, I was part of the committee that uh, refused the last application. I recall checking the sight lines, um, in particular reference to parking in front of the garages that we can see there, but you've got to bear in mind that the sight line is taken from a vehicle with its uh, front at the kerb line and it can look to the right. Uh, the sight line would be behind any vehicle parked on the garage driveway. Um, the pedestrian uh, sight line is fine. And cars only park one side of the road, not two. That was, they were all the things that we put into the balance and we didn't object to the um, access point at the time. My main concern is the footpath. Clive, could you please show the the view up the footpath. Thank you very much. Um, that uh, access point, the road is going to be widened. And while we're on that point, I don't see the need for the bin. If the lorry can turn around up there, it should do. Shouldn't have bins at the front there. I don't think that's a good idea. I think Councillor Hargreaves highlighted that. Um, but that um, hedgerow is coming out. The footpath is going to be disturbed. There's going to be construction on it, over it, under it, around it. Um, my concern is that once the construction is finished, if this is approved, that won't be fit for purpose. And I would like to see a condition that that is... I know the footpath is the, um, within the highways ownership, um, so, but I would still like to see either an informative or a condition attached that makes sure that that footpath is usable in, in the event that this development goes ahead. Any other comments, councillors? Councillor Lodge. Thanks, Chairman. I, I am concerned about the volume of traffic down Berrywater Lane. Uh, we, we, 
we, we saw the pictures at the most <coughs> benign of times. Um, and uh, I, I do have concerns about this. The, uh, maybe for information, a swept path analysis, would that, will that take into account the, the, the likely parking down there, the stationing of the buses at times? How, how would that actually be carried out? Well, my understanding is it would be done on just the, uh, the radii for um, a, a vehicle, i.e. Um, a refuse vehicle or an emergency vehicle, on a swept path, showing it could actually turn into that area, into that lane from the highway. Um, we had exactly the same issue regarding the same discussion concerning Bartholomew Close in Great Chesterford just about uh, four committee meetings ago. Same issue arose as to how you plot a swept path analysis, either with a, a resident uh, uh, car there or not. And it, it got into, um, in, in my opinion, a rather sort of uh, difficult um, debate as to how you can actually reasonably do a swept path, um, other than showing it can actually fit um, from the main road or, in this case, uh, uh, the lane into the, the service track itself. I would expect it to be done that way, but Nigel Brown. And the, the only other thing you should also add, that if members approve this, you've then got a development of five houses. And so therefore, um, in terms of obstructing people coming in and out of there, people, people quite likely at the moment park straight out in front of it because there's, nothing, there's no reason not to. Uh, but I think if there was a housing development there, uh, we know that people, especially during school runs, can be especially selfish in terms of how they park, but I think if you've got a particular access road there, it's potentially less, less likely that someone's going to be parking there. But I say, we've been through all this, but in terms of what the, the Bartholomew Close one was a very good example because we then, it's inevitable, we do it, everyone accepts that people do park along there during, 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 during school times, and you can have buses there and all sorts of things, but you could do a swift, swift, sweet path analysis taking all that into account, and it could show that it could work. And that's what it would basically come out with. So, but again, I don't think it is reasonable to insist upon that because that was not the basis of a refusal in the first place. Yeah, Councillor Hicks. And thank you, Chairman. Uh, like yourself, I, I was on uh, that visit to um, this particular site uh, when we did that. And um, it seems to me that this is a site that has... Um, with developer that has changed a great many things to um, accommodate what um, the, re the requirements that were placed upon them and to um, overcome objections. Um, on the question of access, I, I come back to the officer's report here, which, which says that uh, um, where are we? ECC highways have not been able to su sustain a highway's objection to the proposed development. While it should be noted that access did not in itself form a specific reason for refusal under um, the previous application 2460, um, to me, I think we've um, 
looked at this over and over again. Berry Water Lane has come up on many occasions with other developments. We know it's uh, not the best road in the world for these things, but I think uh, um, we must be consistent, and it seems to me that um, uh, the developers in this case have done enough to um, uh, justify um, um, acceptance of their proposal, and I do so propose that we accept it. Thank you. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Mills, thank you. Did you wish to say anything at this time? Only Chairman in agreement with you. I think it might be better if the bin stores perhaps up where the reserve parking is and therefore that would alleviate some of the conservation issues of having bins down where the houses are. Um, if the developer was happy to take that on board and it all works, then it might be better and then we could just have some steps for the end of the footpath or something that's going to tidy that end up. So um, happy to second it on that basis. Um, if, sorry, if members were going to go down that route, obviously we have a proposal, the proposal includes that, so if members wanted us to revisit it, I would, the only way I could suggest you do that, and obviously that's for Councillor Hicks to agree for that as an amendment, um, is for there to be a condition to say notwithstanding the, the bin storage provision, a scheme shall be submitted prior to, prior to development. It could end up being the same, but if there was a way, alternative way, because I, counsel, I, I do agree with Councillor Hargreaves, if, if there is a chance for bins not to be cluttering the street in terms of how it looks, then we can try to avoid it. But having said that, they have tried to provide the bin storage in response to the, reason, the original refusal reason, so I think they would like to avoid it as well. And we all know, with deep respect to Cat Chapman and her team, the bins don't go back where yeah. they should go back. Sorry, right, yeah, we, we had the nod from over there that that would be uh, acceptable. Um, so, what about the footpath? How do we cover that? I think that can only be done by an informative because if you put a condition on regarding it is a public footpath, that there is separate legislation and you shouldn't duplicate that legislation through planning conditions, but you can put an informative on. Um, it also, if you put a condition on, to protect the footpath, um, the county could become the county council of the responsible body. And if they see that there's a condition, then they, it, by being a bit counterintuitive here, now if you put a condition on saying that the developer and the planning department are responsible for the footpath, they may regale on there. They have a responsibility to ensure that the footpath is retained. So I think to put an informative would do the job in terms of amplifying that reason. I wouldn't have said a condition is, would be advisable on that basis. Okay. Sorry, Nigel. Could I just clarify the wording of that? If we were to put an informative, so it's clear, is it to be for the footpath to be retained? If I think, I think the, the first of all to be retained, to be maintained and retained during construction, and then retained afterwards, um, which which is which is an informative to actually, and I'm sure the developer is aware of their responsibilities in terms of public footpaths, but it highlights that. I had a McDonald's of hands, a flurry of hands going up there. Sorry about that. Councillor Riles. Um, I've just looked at my diary. I wasn't here when this was de determined. Um, could we just go back to the picture going up the lane? This is just, this probably irrelevant, but there was another one, I think, shown that, uh, that property there. That's, is that going to be demolished? Yes. Yep. Um, how old is it? Is it it's not protected, I guess, or presume? Uh, no, it's not listed building. I. I don't think it's as old as what it might look. It just looked nice with the thatch, that's all I'm looking that's at. That's not thatch. Yeah. Is it, not? it must be my eyes. I must go to spec service. Excuse me. That's mossed up tiles. <laughs> I think. Yeah, it's not 
Anyway, uh, Councillor Chambers, do you wish to speak? Thank you, Mr Chairman. Uh, Mr Chairman, um, I would, will reluctantly go along with the um, approval. And I say reluctantly because I, I am concerned about when you have a, a large secondary school like Newport Grammar School, as I will always call it, and you have buses going around will. narrow lanes, then that there must be a concern that it does cause lots of problems. And I would just like to say, if I may comment on it, that I think something ought to be done to try and ensure that the flow of traffic, including the coaches and the buses and everything else, there's something that you can do to actually help with that. It's nothing to do with this application. I do realise that, and I say reluctantly I'll have to go along with it. But where you have narrow roads like this, I can understand concerns. Indeed. Thank, thank you, you for allowing me to speak. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Mills, you wish to... Oh, right. Councillor Lodge. Thank you, Chairman. It's, it, it is rather difficult. I think you could imagine this type of development in, in a whole load of areas around the region, uh, sorry, around the district, where I'd be, where I'd be quite uh, comfortable. And, uh, and, and I understand the comments made about, um, about the previous application and the previous reasons for turning it down. Um, however, I, I, I do have major concerns. I think that the, the, the road there with the, with the amazing developments we're seeing further, further into, the, into Newport, the expansion of the school, I, I think we're getting into areas of danger here, quite frankly, and, and school children around there are likely to be put at danger by this. This, this is too much for this location, and I will definitely vote against it and I'd like the rest of the committee to think about if it were their children at the school I know Councillor Lockland's used to be there and I would urge them to join me in that uh, No, I think that's an avenue we don't want to go down social responsibility of that sort of nature right, okay um, we have a proposal which has been we have a, a proposal for approval that's been seconded um, we're going to put an informative on regarding the footpath uh, situation as finished, if approved. So all those in favour, please show. Six. And against? Three against. So that application is approved. And the next item is item 3.4, application 16-2801. It's an application for full planning consent... I'm not sure if it's Henham. It is Henham, yes. And it's Mrs Jones will make us the, the uh, presentation. Thank you. Before I start, I'd like to do some housekeeping in respect of Condition 9. Um, following further reconsultation with the Environmental Health Officers, um, in order that the condition takes on board the Environment Agency's comments, it should read in Section 3 after the word ecological receptors. Uh, this must include a detailed hydro geological risk assessment using site-specific 
groundwater level and quality data to assess the risks to controlled waters, proposed waste inputs and potential leachate expulsion effects to groundwater. Also, since the report was written, the agent has made a request that Condition 5 be altered in respect of no works. Essex County Council ecologists have agreed to the rewording of the condition. I'd also like to draw members' attention to the subreps in relation to this application. The location should read Elsenham, not Henham, and this was due to um, the first, when, when the first application form was put in, the agent put the um, wrong area on it. This application relates to a site that is located to the north of Hall Road in Elsenham, which is currently uh, comprises a golf course, associated clubhouse, a golf driving range and associated parking for approximately 100 vehicles and is accessed by a single track with passing points from Hall Road that is shared with Elsenham Quarry, which is located to the north of the site. The site is outside development limits within six kilometres of Stansted Airport within the countryside protection zone and was previously contaminated land. There are mature trees beyond the northern boundary with the quarry and an informal footpath along the northern boundary. There is a residential property located to the west of the access road and a certified caravan club to the northwest of the existing driving range. And there are great crested newts and snakes located on the site. The proposal is for the modernisation of Elston Golf and Leisure and includes the creation of a, um, a chipping green to the south of the existing car park, an extension to the car park to the north of the existing car park, the creation of a reservoir for the purposes of um, sustainable on-site irrigation, the dimensions of the um, reservoir would be 120 metres by 40 and have a maximum depth of 5.5 metres. Uh, there would be landscaping and ecology um, enhancements to include two new embankments, one here and one here, to the side of the driving range and these would be 4.5 metres high and 36 metres wide. An adventure golf course which um, would be located to the west of the existing car park. This plan shows the proposed adventure golf. It would have 18 holes and be enclosed by a palisade fencing. The maximum height of all the features would be 5 metres. Uh, this is the landscaping scheme submitted. They are adding wildflower Sorry, wildflower grassland either side of the driving range and beyond the re reservoir and two new ponds. Um, this one here is for the relocation of great crested newts which is in the pond at present here. Um, I'm now going to show some photographs of the site. This is the access of the road with Hall Road uh, this is the access road entrance. Uh, this is a shared road, shared access road, um, and the site is beyond these trees here, so it's not visible from the street scene. 
On the whole, the site is well screened by perimeter, fen uh, perimeter landscaping and views into the site are limited from the street scene. And that's the access road. This is the access into the actual golf club. Um, and this is where the adventure golf, proposed adventure golf um, site would be. Um, this shows, this is a view from um, the end of the driving range looking west and there's a certified caravan site here and um, there's a pathway, public right of way here between the band of trees and the golf driving range. The parish council is in support of the application. There has been one representation as detailed in my officer's report and the issues are as set out in the agenda. The proposal is recommended for approval subject to conditions as set out in the agenda and the changes to condition 5 and 9 as mentioned earlier. Thank you Mrs Jones. Thank you. Could you put up the um, adventure uh, golf? Thank you. Um, I noticed on the consultations that Stansted Mount Fidget Castle weren't consulted. It's a rival attraction. Um, it's got certain elements there that might uh, amuse Mr Goldsmith. Uh, right, members, any comments? Uh, Councillor Lachlan. Me again, sorry. Um, uh, I noticed BAA have commented and, uh, about birds and things they always do, but they've actually given quite a comprehensive list here. But they did uh, actually mention cranes because it is so close to the airport. And uh, please, before I go on holiday. Uh, but um, it actually, there are no conditions. And I, I don't know if that's down to the developer, although you've got conditions about birds and the water, etc., etc. But there's nothing about the cranes. And um, it did ask that there be an informative or a condition put on, um, but I notice there isn't. So could we perhaps mention that? Because yeah. I think that's very important. We don't want aeroplanes coming in. That will upset Michael O'Leary. Yeah. We, we actually have a standard informative that we put on applications of this nature when they're in close proximity to the airport. Right, OK. Uh, are you thinking cranes that nick fish in ponds? <laughs> no, 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 not, not heron-like cranes. These are construction cranes that should be lit at night and do need permission before they go up. Yeah, but there's... Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's uh, there only 1.8 uh, kilometres, I think, from the, from the runway, so I think that's quite important, yeah, joking yeah. aside. Yeah, just to give the members um, <laughs> some comfort on that one, the... The airport themselves, BAA have actually, well it's not BAA, it's MAG. MAG have a direct, have a process whereby they actively speak to the applicant. It works both ways. They, they know that this application, if it were approved today, was going to happen. There was going to be cranes and then they will be liaising directly with them directly. Well, so the informative also flags it up the other way as well. So it is a standard practice. Thank you. Can, any other? Councillor Lodge. Small point, Chair. I noticed that um, on, the, on, on one of the maps there, were, there, were, there, were, there was a note of two new fairways which aren't actually part of the proposal. So, proposed fairway, proposed fairway, although that's not mentioned in the proposal. What's that's the a relocation of hole one, I think, of the golf course. 
because of the impact. It's, it's an existing. Formed. It's a relocation, effectively. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. we don't have an 11-hole golf course now. No. <laughs> no, we're going to have some some records that won't be broken, obviously, yeah. because the course is going to be Thank you. Uh, changed. Yeah. Councillor Hicks. Thank you, Chairman. And I'd, I'd just like to ask for some help in uh, understanding the objection or m comments made by M Manchester Airport's group about netting. I don't understand what netting is or why, why they're asking about it or how it affects what we decide or one way or another. It's to avoid those cranes, <laughs> basically. <laughs> It's, yeah. to it's to prevent wildfowl from getting into the watercourses. Um, so that's, that's what it's all about, isn't it? If, 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 mm. if, so it's, you've got a watercourse which, by the nature of it being a golf course, you're going to have some water on there, which in itself is usually of concern to the airport, but they are satisfied in this case that by netting it, it'll keep birds away from the water. Thank you. Right, Councillor Mills. Uh, recommend for approval. Thank you very much. That finds a seconder. Ooh, Councillor Riles, thank you very much. Um, in the absence of any other comments, we'll go to the vote on this then. All those in favour, please show. That's unanimous. Thank you very much. That application is approved. Does any member want to break before we continue? Yes, we're going to take a five-minute uh, break. If you can find a loo that's working, good luck.
court back in session. Right. Uh, next item of business application UTT 16 stroke 2520. It's an application for full planning consent in Farnham, and Mr. Bentley will make our presentation. Thank you. The application is a proposal for the demolition of an existing garage and shed and the construction of a fully covered swimming pool, including ancillary accommodation of changing rooms and toilets for family use and for private swimming lessons. It's understood from the application materials that up to four children or adults would have lessons at any one time and it would operate between the hours of 9.30 to 11am, 1pm to 3pm, and 4 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. on weekdays, excluding the bank holidays, and also 9.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. on Saturdays. The main site where the swimming pool would be located is One Rectory Drive, which is the south of Rectory Lane. At the moment, it comprises a detached dwelling house, and it's surrounded by other residential development, an open countryside. It's accessed via Rectory Drive, which is a private road. The other part of the site is um, the front part of the Village Hall's car park. This is to the north of Rectory Lane. It's about 80 metres away from the main site along Rectory Lane. The information submitted by the applicant sets out that there's an agreement with the Village Hall that would allow for parking of up to eight vehicles for up to three hours for no more than four times a day on weekdays. It's understood there's no definite provision for weekend car parking and that the agreement will be reviewed after 12 months. Number 39 Rectory Lane adjoins the site to the east and to the west is number 2 Rectory Drive. The site is located outside of development limit. This uh, shows the um, floor plan, so this is the basement floor plan, this is the um, ground floor plan, and then this is the, the roof plan. Uh, it should be noted that it this, the proposal includes um, changing facilities um, which are shown in this uh, part of the pool, and that would enable its commercial use for swimming lessons. The footprint of the existing house can be shown here. Um, and this plan also shows the access which is taken from Rectory Lane and goes along the shared boundary with number 39 Rectory Lane, which is the east over here. These plans show the elevations and, and sections. Um, the footprint of the building would be approximately 200 square metres and its ridge height would be around 4.1 metres. This photograph shows the front elevation of the dwelling house and access would be along this boundary over here to the east. This shows uh, a view into the rear garden standing up on the decking that's outside the, the rear of the dwelling house. Um, much of this vegetation along the rear here would need to be removed to allow for this, the swimming pool to be built. Um, including all the vegetation along the rear boundary. This is the rear elevation of the dwelling house. This um, 
This photograph here shows the access as seen from the rear, and you can see that's number 39, rectory lane there. This is uh, a front view of that shared boundary. Um, you can see this is, this is uh, the application site, um, number one, rectory drive. This is number 39, rectory lane, and this is where the access would be taken along just the other side of this fence. This shows the view along Rectory Lane here to the Village Hall, so you'll note that there's no, there's no footway and no lighting along that section of footpath. And this here is the Village Hall, which is where car parking would take place. Um, the case, um, the, the site history um, comments, consultations and representations are included in the committee report and they can be found on pages 130 to 132. There's also uh, something in the supplementary representations which is some additional comments from environmental health. Um, in summary, it's considered that the proposal um, would be unacceptable on account of its impact on the appearance and character of the countryside, its effect on neighbouring properties in terms of disturbance and nuisance and inadequate car parking arrangements. Um, and the application is therefore recommended for refusal for the reasons listed on page 137 of the committee report. Thank you very much, Mr Bentley. Now we have uh, just one speaker for this application. That's the applicant's agent, Mr. Colin Hawkins. And you have three minutes, Mr. Hawkins. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman and members. Um, my name is Colin Hawkins. I'm the agent for Mr. and Mrs. Williams. Um, Mrs. Sally Williams has been a full time self employed teach swim instructor locally for over 20 years. During that time, she has needed to hire different swimming pools for her lessons, and presently she rents out the pool at Hilton Hotel and another privately owned by a farmer in Leaden Roading. But she has always wanted to teach in her own pool. Planning applications. This application before you is the resubmission on exactly the same detail as an application dated the 6th of June 2016 that was reluctantly withdrawn due to a late request for information from the EHO Mrs Boyle and the need of planning department to achieve target decision dates. Our originally submitted application of June received considerable local support that perversely has been deliberately ignored for this application, although our second application dated 31st of August we attached a series of appendices which were all the original six-number application objectors and 12-number application supporters of the scheme and other matters. Sam Stevenson, uh, the previous planning officer who Mr Williams spoke to between applications, said that the original uh, agreements and dissenters would be considered in this application, so we believe it's, it's not fair to have ignored them. I have, uh, in, in addition to the supporters, the parish council, who did not object to the PrEP project at their parish council meeting, commented that they wished to encourage commercial development in Farnham such as this project. 
Farnham Primary School confirmed to Mrs Williams that if she obtained consent for the pool, then the school would accept her offer to di of discounted charges for the school swimming lessons. This would mean a saving for the school of at least £5,000 transportation cost annually and would allow the children more class time as the new pool is only some 200 yards walk away, thus saving time on the trip to the Grange Paddock pool. Finally, I comment on the reasons the planning officer's recommendation for refusal. Loss of screening. No tree preservation orders exist on any other planting, but we have made every effort to minimise the felling of trees, and notably much of the tree screening nearest to number two rectory close has been retained. A clearance of the site area is necessitated to allow construction of the pool building, but once the site is established, further planting would be incorporated. Visitor numbers. The numbers of visitors to the proposed pool is not significant, but modest in numbers, mostly small preschool infants accompanied by their mothers. Mrs. Williams has said that she does not intend to operate on Saturdays, Sunday, bank holidays, and will open teach in school term time only. The officer wording in his report infers that the project would be constantly crowded with visitors which is an exaggeration of what would be the reality. Highways objections. The Highways Department raised no objection to the original scheme when the village hall parking was included, but has arisen only since this resubmission. Road conditions have not altered in the period between application. Presently, the village hall offers the following events both during the day and evening, where the villagers arrive on foot and some by car. Toddlers club, coffee mornings, yoga classes, keep fit and nighttime club bar. School children pass from Frimley Lane to Farnham School each day and back home late afternoon. In the 20 years that Mr and Mrs Williams have lived in Farnham, no motor, accident, motor or traffic accident has occurred either in this location or in Rectory Lane. Rectory Lane itself leads into Frimley Lane as past an extension, but then leads westward into rural, sparsely populated countryside. There are few dwellings, and rural residents tend to drive towards Bishop Stortford, and the direction through Farnham is not considered a true route for traffic generally. The pool building has been designed fully in compliance with the permitted development criteria, but the proposed commercial aspect necessitates that consent of the scheme is considered by the committee for a decision. May I earnestly request that you do not accept the officer recommendation to refuse permission, but grant consent for Mr Williams' application. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Hawkins. Okay, members, over to you. Comments, questions? Councillor Lockton. Thank you. Um, well, I called this in because I, although I couldn't comment, obviously, as being a member of this planning uh, committee, I have had lots of people uh, phone me and say how much this is needed in Farnham. Um, you all saw it this morning, or those of you attended did. Um, I think we saw two cars in the entire time we were there, and that was probably a traffic jam. It's uh, really out of the way. It has nothing. The only thing it has is a, a small primary school, which a couple of years ago was threatened with closure, and the residents rallied around uh, to save the school, uh, which they did. Um, it had, I think, when I went to visit some time ago, I don't know if it was six or eight, 
kids on the roll. Um, it is a school for local people. Since the threat of closure, uh, more people are sending their children there because they did know that it would close otherwise. And um, I'm sure you notice that there are, there's nothing else but the school. So this swimming pool, it would be a great asset to the children of that school because now they have to go to Bishop Stortford, which um, they have to pay their money for coaches and they could walk uh, along the footpath to Rectory Drive where the swimming pool will be located. Uh, and um, reading um, on the officer's report just seemed to be a bit contradictory because firstly um, it was says it's against S7 in the open countryside. Well, at the back you probably noticed there was just uh, a few jumps for horses. It wasn't um, particularly countryfied um, outside the village hall it is. Um, but I'd like to um, read something from the report, um, which is 10.23, beg your pardon, and it says, some vegetation, including trees, would be lost. Whilst these trees have some value in terms of screening the boundaries of the application site, it is not considered that any of these trees are important in terms of visual amenity. The council's landscaping officer has no objections to the loss of these trees. So we then turn over to 1014 which says there would also be some impact on neighbouring privacy because significant number, numbers of members of the public will visit the rear garden of number one rectory drive on a regular basis. Well we don't know that that's hearsay. Um, however it is not considered that this would cause undue material harm due to the existence of screening along shared boundaries between number one rectory drive and number 39 rectory lane and number two rectory drive and the fact the visitors would be unlikely to linger in the garden on the access path. So I think probably we can discount S7 and S9 there uh, um, and GEN2, uh, uh, which are the reasons refusal on number one. Um, so that then leaves us with the highway. Well, there wasn't really much of a highway. There's not hardly any traffic and the children and, and residents who would use this, this pool would probably walk along Rectory Lane. You've all, you all did it this morning and I think it's a five-minute walk small children probably a bit longer but presumably it would be one of these walking buses and they'd have teachers holding their hands and making sure that they were safe. Um, also I looked at the MPPF uh, which says um, can I read this? Yeah, I know I'm a bit long-winded, but I think it needs to be so. Uh, it says, the planning system has a role in helping to create an environment where activities made easier and public health can be improved. Planning policies should identify specific needs and quantitative or qualitative deficits or surpluses of open space, sports and recreational facilities in the local area. Well, this actually gives us recreational facilities and it's also good for health because the local children and local residents uh, would use this and I do know um, that there are several people uh, in the village who would avail of this facility if they could. Um, it often gets um, cut off from flooding in the winter time. I've been cut off myself, been caught up in the floods and the environment agencies say it is a flood risk. So that means 
kids that want to go swimming to Grange Paddocks, which is the nearest uh, swimming pool, uh, would not be able to go because they wouldn't be able to get to and from. So I really, I will be supporting this. And obviously, I, I hope that others will. Um, and I'll say that openly because I really think that Farnham actually needs this. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Lachlan. Councillor Rolls, you too have 20 minutes. All I'd say I give in, Janice, um, and uh, I would like to propose this for approval. I'd like, I'd like to uh, second we, that. We, need, oh, sorry, we sorry. need to talk conditions. We need to talk the case. Okay. Councillor I'll defer to Philip in a moment. Um, the ones that come off my mind, first of all, there needs to be the standard time limit condition. Secondly, you have a new building, so I think we need details of materials if they are, are already submitted on the application. Um, and we also need a linkage. It's members' judgment, because of me and Janice, we frog-marched you around most of the village today. So, but I think um, with the linkage to the footpath to the village hall, members need to determine whether or not that is important, that it needs to be linked by way of condition. It's red land, so it can be conditioned as such. Um, and so members need to, to work out whether or not they want that to be linked and that to be retained um, as part of the application. And therefore, if the car park, if that became lost for some reason, then, we, then that, that condition would have to be removed. So members need to make that determination. Mm -hmm. The problem that we've had on this application is bringing it under control. Um, it is, my view is, it is, you cannot restrict it in terms of you can only have four, four children a week or four children a day. You cannot restrict it in terms of saying there will be no lessons taken during the weekends because this is also a private swimming pool. By actually saying that you cannot have, how are we going to be able to enforce it? So members, literally by making a decision, and it is a balanced decision, and in my view it's really good that it's members to make this decision because you can look at it in a realistic... Now, not that we're forgoing it to you, but you can make a logical decision in terms of how you feel, in terms of what you saw on site. But uh, you, you, I don't think you can put conditions on it to restrict the uses. What you see is what you get. And, and so, therefore, I don't think we can do it in terms of hours of use because you're actually restricting a family from using their swimming pool. If they want to, you know, so that's the only concern I've got in terms of conditions. I don't, think I don't know if there's anything else that Philip's got to add in terms of conditions. Um, just having a quick look through, there is a recommendation for environmental health. There's a condition relating to, um, I think it's submission of further details on plant and machinery in the swimming pool. So they, they've generally said they're happy with the plant and machinery information being submitted, but there is need for more information um, as, as part of a condition. Uh, hang on. So, <coughs> what condition were we talking about there? Adding on? That was just I a just noise, just run a noise condition about the plant and machinery to do with the pool. Yeah, yeah it's in the environmental health um, response. Right. So the, the conditions would be time, scale, materials, noise, emittance, and something about link in the village hall. Members no? need to make a dis distinction. I think they probably will do. That the village hall is an important issue to have a parking arrangement there, and to actually link it to to the village hall in terms of the car parking space. Like the operations, the commercial operations should only be carried out whilst there is a uh, whilst the car park is available there and I would link the two except that the school if you term that as a commercial activity they'll be walking so they don't need the village hall mm. 
So that's no. I think if, if this activity was only related to the school, I don't think we'll be talking about the village hall parking area. Uh, I think so any commercial activity that relies on the village hall providing a parking facility? I wouldn't go that far. No. I would just say any commercial activity. You could actually say any commercial activity can only occur whilst there is a um, the village hall parking area. Now, if the park, car park becomes unavailable, and as far as I'm concerned, with the, par with the parish support is unlikely, but if that becomes available, unavailable, then the commercial activity will be questioned, and we would have to revisit it in the context of the school. And in that context, we would have to work out how we get... But we're going too far. First of, yeah, all, okay. first of all, we're not clear. It's, it's very likely the school would be involved, but we don't know that at this stage. So okay. I'll defer to right. Janice on... So, Councillor Riles, basically, you were the proposer. So those conditions, would they be satisfactory for you? Thank you very much. You wanted a second, Councillor Loveland, with those conditions? Well, I'd just like to... Well, first of all, we have had an assurance from um, the agent that this would not be operated commercially at weekends. So, um, I mean, that is actually on record now because this is recorded. Uh, and also, I... I can't be sure, obviously, but I'm certain because the parish council are so much in favour, because it will also help them, because I'm, I don't know if the village hall will charge for the use of car parking. I'm getting nods that they will. Um, the village hall definitely needs that revenue, and I would imagine that that would be ongoing. Um, so I just wanted to make that point about ours, uh, and um, I, I'm just want to make it clear because I don't think it's very fair to make it too restrictive that it can't be used. That's my my point, okay. I think. Thank you very much. Right, I've got everybody seem to want to speak and I'll go in the order I've got them. Councillor Lodge, Councillor Mills, Councillor Freeman, Councillor Hicks. Right. Just to say that we don't enforce the uh, proposal that it's 20 metres deep. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Thank you. Councillor Mills. Uh, that's for the diving boards, Chairman. Um, I'm going to go along with this, but actually I'm against it. The key word was residential. This is a residential area of residential houses. What's to stop number two deciding he wants to you know, do car restoration in the back of his garden? And the next thing we do, we've got a garage in the back. Or number three, having a fishery because he's a koi salesman. Well, we don't no, have to... You can't say that, Alan. Well, actually, you can, because basically we're creating a, pre a precedent here of a certain type of building with a commercial operation in a certain location. It's a residential road, right? and we've actually allowed something. So if somebody else wants something similar to this, it's going to come back at us appeal, and it will. No. So I'm, you no, know... No, every application on its merits. That's planning. Um, dangerous grounds. I'm right, am I? Mr Brown well, says well, I'm right. Well, yes, you're right, but also Councillor yeah. Mills has a very valid yeah. point, just Mr Brown. To, just to put you in, Brett, there is no, no such thing in planning as president, um, but mm. Councillor Mills has some merit. It could be thrown at us. Uh, the reason why we're making this decision, and I need to, to remind members, this is an application for a domestic swimming pool that would also be used for commercial activities. Yes. It's, not, it's not an application for a commercial swimming pool full stop. Those other scenarios that Mr. Councillor Mills has just... I know, you just, I know we could all come up with one that's a similar one, but they are both 
pure and simple commercial activities, and I think that, that would be a slightly different viewpoint, but again, they would need to be considered on their own merit. And members are, are, are going with this, if they do go with this, is because of the, the community contribution that it's making, which is also different to what you're saying. So I think we can argue that there was an exception if that, if that was put forward. Yes. Thank you. Councillor Freeman. Excellent. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, we had a very similar case to this, or similar in some ways, um, at the beginning of this particular committee's life. Uh, and it was somebody decided to install a gymnasium into their terraced house uh, and then they wanted to run it as a commercial gym but it was also their own gym uh, and they'd taken the precaution of doing this before they applied for planning consent uh, so it was already up and running basically uh, and the issues and I, I, I'm certainly uh, uh, agree with Councillor Mills on this the issue is of course that is a residential area this was a residential area Nothing wrong with having gyms in residential areas, but then, of course, you can sell your house. And you sell your house with a functioning gymnasium. And whoever buys your house could buy your house on the basis that it's a commercial operation. And the same applies here. Uh, you've got a swimming pool, a large swimming pool in the back garden, 20 metres deep indeed. Uh, and uh, whoever buys that house, number, uh, number one, isn't it? Um, whoever buys that house could say, well, I'm going to run a... Uh, swimming, a diving school here, in fact, with a pool that deep, certainly diving, sub-aqua sub even. Why not? Why wouldn't you? Uh, so can I suggest, Chairman, that a condition, I don't have a problem with saying yes to this, but it is uh, a quasi-commercial operation inside a residential area. So can I suggest that in some way we condition and limit this to the ownership of these owners of that house and that's it. If somebody else buys the house, they've got a very nice deep sub-aqua school in the back garden, but they can't use it for commercial purposes. Um, well, can we you, get a legal view on that? Well, no, you can do that in this particular context because it's, it's around a bit, because it's, it's not about the ownership, it's about the occupation. And so it's, so it's, the, it's, this, it's, it's possibly, you know, you put a condition on saying it's restricted to... Uh, I don't know if Mr. Williams does lessons, but it's restricted to Mr. and Mrs. Williams whilst living at that property. Because obviously, they, you know, thinking of the scenario, they could move on, they could move somewhere else, they could move into Newport and then just currently own this property and someone else could pick it up. Or someone else could buy it and all, all that the, selling, all the, all the selling, buying, selling point is you're buying a, a swimming pool with quite a lot of facilities around that swimming pool, which could be a selling point later on, um, but in case in terms of operations. So I would say restricted to the person whilst they're occupying the dwelling. I don't think there's any objections to doing that. Sorry, can I just ask? That, does, that doesn't mean to say they have to take the swimming pool out if they... No, if they pool, the, just the, 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 commercial operate, the commercial operations. Fine, pool, that's yeah. fine. I just wanted to clarify that point okay. so we had it on record. Okay. Councillor Hicks. Thank you, Chairman. Um, much as I hate to disagree with Councillor Lachlan, I, I, I really feel I must oppose this application um, because I start from the position that uh, if the pool had already been there built and in position and the applicant had come and said they wanted to start running a, a school there, 
what would have been the, our reaction to that? Would we have given them permission to have parking up the road and children walking along this lane in front and uh, uh, no control as to the numbers of the, uh, that might be involved? And uh, I, I really don't think that in those circumstances we would have granted permission. And so, uh, f for me, it seems to be... Um, quite wrong. That, um, also, I'd like to add that the, um, our own environmental health officers um, are, are reluctant to get involved. They recommend refusal because they will have no control. And this is a swimming pool. Swimming pools are notorious places for um, health issues to arise. And if the district council gives permission for it and then has no control over the, the cleanliness and, and the uh, sanitary aspects and everything else. And I, th I, I do see this as a, um, a source of future problems, and so I will oppose this application. Sorry, you're wrong, Councillor. Oh, sorry, I'm getting told off again. No, I just need to correct Councillor Hicks there. First of all, um, they would have to comply with all necessary legislation in terms of CAB checks, all those particular things, which I think... If you're a qualified swim teacher, you can do that like falling off a log. There are requirements, sanitary details. I, my, my, my worries with this one is that I don't think the applicant should be penalised for coming up front in terms of what they wanted to have done in the first place. Mm. The, and I'm not, I'm not putting aspersions on the, the history. The Councillor Freeman's example was a very good example, but the other way around. We, we can never speak about what the intentions of the applicant at the time were, but they put in a gym and then asked questions later or started using it. It is very unique that I've come across this in this situation where someone's asked to do something before they've done it, uh, rather than being um, over-clever in coming in with an application for a swim pool that's a bit large and then having an extra bit of living room with a bar in there that, that lots of people have in the district. I haven't, but a lot of people in the district have got that facilities. And then suddenly you want to change those, but that bar area into a changing room and then suddenly you start having people coming in. These people have been up front in terms of what they intended to do. And we are looking at it as if that comes. So, so, and and Councillor Hicks, I, I would disagree with you. I think if, if they had done this and then they had changed it, I think the rec members would have potentially come to the same recommendation. Officers may have come to a different recommendation because we've seen it in operation. There is always an element of unknown here, and that's why you've had a recommendation for refusal. So I don't think members should be concerned about the fact that um, would we have done this anyway, but we have had this. Someone's asked up front whether they could do it this way, and they could have been a lot more cleverer and not necessarily have this discussion at this particular point. Thank you. Right. Councillor Lockhart. <laughs> Always have to have the last word. Ask my husband. Uh, right. Well, Councillor Hicks, sorry, I hate to tell you, but you're wrong. Because uh, Environmental Health has said no objections, subject to a condition which we've already said will happen, and an informative relating to the levels of noise generated by swimming pool plant and equipment. So would you like to take that back? No? We'll let you off then. <laughs> But you know I'm never wrong. <laughs> right, thank you. Um, I've got one concern that the wall at the front of the, build, the, the front garden is being altered to allow the access, and I really don't think that's a good idea. I, I don't see why, if it's just pedestrian access, they can't walk through the gateway that's already there. It would be a lot safer, to my mind. 
um, but that's perhaps not a real planning consideration. Um, however, so we have a proposal for approval with some conditions which we all sort of been intended to be brought into. Um, it's been seconded, so all those in favour please show. That's eight. No, it's not. It's six. Thank you. All those against? Seven. It was seven. Seven, seven. two. Seven, two. Uh, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Thank you very much. That matter is approved. Uh, item 3.6 on the agenda is application 16-2607. It's a householder application for full planning consent. It's in Saffron Walden. And Mr Theobald will make the presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Just to Just a point of housekeeping that arose from this morning's site visit. Uh, the question came up as to whether or not the ground floor rear extension was consistent with the existing ground floor extension for number 35. And I have spoken with the architect and they have confirmed that that is the case. It would be flush with the proposed ground floor extension for number 33, we in fact uh, understand they've spoken to the owners of number 35 to have that wish and that's consistent with the architect's um, plans. So as members uh, saw on site and heard me say, um, this is the existing uh, situation, the proposal would be for a uh, minor alterations to the, the roofing for the front flat roofed addition uh, and also for a rear combined ground floor and first floor extension as you can see on the right hand side and as you can see and as explained the, the extension for the ground floor would be full width and the first floor extension to provide the fourth bedroom for the dwelling has now been shown to be inset two metres from the boundary thus as shown. So um, I don't particularly want to go into too much detail on this because it was um, put to you this morning as to the, the details. Just to refresh on the uh, photos obviously looking straight at the rear of number 33 and to the to the, at the left is number 31 and as I explained to you and obviously you went inside uh, the, the, the conservatory stroke day room uh, at the invitation of the owners um, that is what you see from number 33 and noting the first floor bedroom window for number 31 um, equidistant above the ridge for the conservatory and that's looking obviously square on to the conservatory from number 33. Uh, that's number 35 with the existing uh, sloping roofed 
ground floor rear addition. And this is looking from the first floor rear bedroom window of number 31, obviously looking over onto number 33, and in the other direction into the private garden behind where you were standing in the conservatory. Uh, we discussed the issue about the first floor bathroom window into the existing flank of number 33 and the set in of the first floor extension to number 33. And that is obviously looking um, uh, westwards uh, onto number 33, which obviously you saw as well. So that is the extension proposal, Chairman, and obviously for discussion. Thank you very much, Mr. Theobald. We have two speakers, the first of whom is Liz Powell. And you have three minutes, Mrs. Powell. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. As the next door neighbours, we wish to object to the application for the two-storey rear extension because the proposed second floor would cause an unacceptable loss of light into our home and would be overbearing. Our conservatory is a north-facing room. It relies on the afternoon sun from the west. In the summer, this is from about 2pm until sunset. The proposed second floor of the extension would mean that the majority of this bright and sunny room would be overshadowed. The sun would be blocked from entering it at all from the west by the new building, while a good proportion of the daylight would be blocked throughout the year, making the room gloomy. The proposed second floor would also have a greatly overbearing impact. And we feel a, a single-storey extension such as that which is being built at the other half of the semi-detached property would be much more appropriate, and an addition like this wouldn't have such a negative impact on our home. Uh, Gen 2 says that development shouldn't have a significantly adverse effect on any nearby property due to loss of daylight, overbearing impact, overshadowing or loss of privacy. The overshadowing of the majority of our conservatory, the loss of so much daylight into both the conservatory and the attached dining room throughout the year, and the overbearing impact of the proposed second floor would indeed have an extremely significant effect on our home, and we would ask you to turn it down for these reasons. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mrs Powell. And we have uh, Jill Shakespeare as the other. Is the applicant or the agent? The applicant. Thank you. You've got three minutes too. Thank you. Good afternoon. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. My name is Jill Shakespeare. Jill Shakespeare. We recently moved to Saffron Walden with our young family. We have two children aged three years and ten months. Moving here and buying 33 Audley Road is an exciting long-term decision for my husband and I. We believe this property could become our wonderful family home, one we can settle in and our family can develop. The house currently has three bedrooms and our proposal is to extend the property to create a larger living space and an additional bedroom. The fourth bedroom is a real necessity as we have moved via Holland away from family and friends and visiting us here is important for everyone. It also gives us flexibility should our family increase. Our initial planning application proceed, proceeded unsuccessfully, but we have listened to our neighbours' objections and accommodated their doubts by moving the bedroom to a more central location while still giving regard to number 35. We considered the current proposal to be sympathetic to both neighbouring properties. We have taken time and professional advice to consider how to integrate the new design within the character of the house and location, 
assuring it ties in with the aesthetics of the surrounding conservation area and property itself. If our improvements are approved, then the finished house will be a smart, modern, integrated with the neighbourhood and be part of Saffron Walden community. In closing, I would simply like to say that every single decision my husband and I make is in the interest of our family, and this house is no different. The increased living area will give us space to congregate as a family, for the children to interact with us easily, and the house will become a home. I believe it is a good decision for the property itself, but more importantly, I believe it to be a sound, long-term, sound decision for our long-term happiness here in Saffron Walden. <coughs> I would ask you please to approve this application in line with the planning officer's recommendation. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs. Shakespeare. Uh, right, members, it's over to you. Uh, Councillor Riles. Could, uh, Clive, could you bring up the, um, I think it's the plan, please. Um, I, I, obviously, I was on the visit this morning. Um, I can see that under the rules that the 45-degree uh, angle rule, uh, strictly within the rules, that um, uh, th there wouldn't be, uh, they wouldn't be breaking the rules as far as the light um, uh, reduction is concerned. Um, however, I did feel that it was quite over, uh, overbearing, uh, or where, where the property would be in relation to just being in the conservatory. So, I've tried to th I want to make sure. I would like to think that uh, we can accommodate uh, the applicant with an extra room, etc. And I've got no problem with the ground floor layout at all. That makes perfect sense. It matches up with next door. But have you considered moving that upstairs bedroom across? whereby um, that wouldn't be so overbearing for the, the, your neighbour. Um, and as far as any loss of light to the property to the left, um, the light comes up from that area uh, and would hopefully would, wouldn't have too much of a negative effect for the, for the other neighbour. I hope I've put that across okay. Um, any thoughts on that? Uh, yes. Um, I mean, first of all, I would say that the... the um, the applicant's agent has obviously tried to address that issue by moving the first floor extension in from the, the flank wall on the corner with number 31. So they've attempted to go from what would have been, I think, um, a position, a situation which would have been causing significant overbearing effect uh, to one which is less. The only thing with then, if I'm reading you right, to move the first floor extension further in, uh, two things. First of all, it would upset, I think, the, the balance and symmetry of the, the first floor gable as a, a rear first floor extension onto the property because otherwise, if it's more central along to the right, then I think it starts to look a bit, bit odd, um, but that's just my view. And the other thing is if you then move it further to the right, um, at the moment the projection for the impact on the first floor, a rear window of number 35, is such that the, the, the corner at the moment doesn't go more than 50% uh, into the, uh, the rear window. If you moved it across further, then there's a danger then it starts to move uh, into that, that sort of um, danger zone of exceeding 50% of the glazed area for the first floor bedroom window for number 35 um, on the right-hand side there. So it's whether you accommodate more the amenity concerns of 
number 31 for overbearing effect or, and loss of light or um, how much you can go to the right hand side without then impinging on the um, amenity of number 35. Yeah, and uh, I think we can all redesign this as we sit here in our minds, but it's obviously a, quite a complex thing because bedroom two cuts under threat, etc. Um, there are other options, there's loft conversions, things like that, but what we've got to do is determine this one as best we can um, with the information that we've got and with the benefit of our site visit and discussions this morning. Um, any other comments? Uh, Councillor Freeman, sorry, I did have you down. Thank you, Chairman. Um, can we see the plan, please, again? Uh, okay. If you look at the bottom right-hand corner, uh, the, the sort of sketch of number 33 in the proposed new, develop, uh, new build, and then you can see at number 31 the conservatory. Now, I'd like to take some guidance on this because it's quite obvious when you stand in that conservatory, which is actually part of the room, Part, it's half of a room in the number 31 the house. Obviously, it's got a glass roof. Of course, conservatories tend to have glass roofs. But I was always told that um, you couldn't have them uh, as open extensions to a house because of the heat loss. There's massive heat loss from construction like that. If it didn't have a glass roof, and I'm not suggesting we change it, we wouldn't be worrying about this. You know, we really wouldn't be, because you wouldn't actually see the proposed new bedroom. It would be up there in the sky, the other side of a solid roof. And then it's, so the only reason why we're having this discussion is because number 31 has a glazed room. And this obviously is going to interfere with their glazed room. Um, but I would question whether the glazed room is actually according to building regulations. That's a separate issue. If we are mindful of um, just looking at the planning aspect, which is obviously why we're here, is um, I, I would say that, that building, that bedroom, is seriously intrusive on number 31. Uh, and there may be other ways of doing it. As, as you correctly point out, Chairman, it's not for us to do the architect's job on this. I have no problem at all with the ground floor extension. I think that looks good. But I do feel that the bedroom on the first floor is intrusive and excludes light, but only because there's a conservatory next door which has got a glass roof. If you have a glass roof, it would be just fine. Do you want me to clarify? Thank you, Yes, sir. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't want, I don't want everyone to get the impression that number 31 has not got building makes for what they've built. <clears throat> the rules, obviously, I can't go down the history of what's happened on that site. A conservatory, by way of being a conservatory, doesn't necessarily need building regs. And the peculiarity of building regs is that you may not need building regs to actually build the thing. But then two years later, you could do all sorts of things with it and not need building regs. And so, so, but their issue is it, it, it's a conservatory, hence why it's got a glass roof. But what you saw it was it's more than just a conservatory when you, when you, when you go into it. Mm. But the impact is because it's got a glass roof, which is... Which is Pretty, this is why we've got that strange relationship. It's very difficult dealing with householder applications at committee because you're intruding in two people's lives at the moment, and that's the two families' lives. But the, the fact is it wouldn't have necessarily required building regulations when it was built, and they're not in any breach of anything when what I saw this morning. <laughs> Councillor Mills. <coughs> Thanks, Chairman. Um, I can see why they moved the flank wall over. I can see what the architect's trying to do. He's moved it within the 45 degree limits. 
um, and for that reason I'm mindful to approve. Uh, I think it does comply now uh, and I think it is a necessity perhaps for the size of the house. So uh, that's just my reading of it. I mean, I think it could have been designed 60 centimetres to the left and it would have helped both sides and they could have changed the single windows on either side. That would have solved the bathroom job, but I'm designing it again, so I'll, I'll stop. Right. Yeah, Councillor Lodge. Thank you. I, th I think as people have said, this is, this is a really, really difficult decision. Um, the, the lives of two families uh, badly affected. However, I really am mindful that so much of that light comes from the west, the afternoon sun, the setting sun. Whilst we've got the 45 degree problem solved, I really do think it, it just on balance, it has a large adverse effect on, on number 31. Um, in some ways, I would have liked to have seen uh, a, a computerised model of this so we could actually look at what the real effect was from the conservatory. Uh, and I wondered, should we ask the applicant to produce that? I think that's probably not reasonable. I think that then probably what could happen and what really is the best solution then would be, would be for a loft extension, though I know that's not for us to decide. And so on, on, the, on the very marginal balance of, um, of issues, I, I'm inclined to say it is too overbearing as it, as it stands at the moment. I'm loath to go down the path of redesigning, but I would have thought a hipped roof would have been a little easier as well. But anyway, oh dear. Right, any further comments, members? Um, this is in a conservation area, am I right? Yes. Yes. So um, materials aren't specified on this? at the moment? Yeah, um, well they are subject to final colour specification but right, uh, okay. as I, I said at the meeting um, the, uh, the, the ground floor will be brick uh, to match the brick of the, the house the first floor was to be brick but now it's been moved in by two metres to uh, differentiate between uh, they've decided to go for weatherboarding with the colour to be agreed We're in suspense here, aren't we? I've been feeling it around the room. You've just said something, yeah. Um, Councillor Chambers. Do you want a proposal, Mr Chairman? No, I don't want anything. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to avoid an issue here. I do, um, I do know this site very well. I know all Audley Road extremely well. And I find myself uh, agreeing with Councillor Lodge that there is a, a problem, I think, with this. I think it, it, it is. I don't have a problem with the, the ground floor, but it is the bit above. I think it does uh, actually take away light from at number 31. Uh, so I would propose refusal. Uh, that's we need a reason. We need a reason for that, um, Councillor Chambers. Come on, officers, put forward a reason then. I'm not a reason person. I'm not, I don't go on the, the policy thing. I expect you to do that for no, me. No, I'm afraid on this one you're going to have to no. go down the policy no, route. Because no. <laughs> there is no policy to refuse. As far as we're concerned... There must we... be a policy somewhere because of, uh, of overlooking and taking... Right, that's... That's, the that's where you, you are. You're that heading you didn't say that bit. Yeah. <laughs> right, you're heading towards a, a it's policy... It's a Gen 2 effort, yeah. Reason there, so Gen, Gen 2, 2... In terms of... 
H83. No, it's generally a home extensions, yeah. H8. Gen 2 is in terms of design. Um, uh, which is development would not be permitted unless its design meets all the following criteria. Um, and that does include issues such as um, impact on neighbours, etc. So it minimises environmental impact on neighbouring properties by appropriate mitigating material effect on the reasonable occupation of the enjoyment of residential properties either side. And H8 um, Essential permitted the following their scale, design, and external materials respect those of the original buildings. There will be no material overlooking or overshadowing of nearby properties, and development would not have an overbearing effect on the neighbouring properties. So, I think if you're going to do it on that basis, you're going to have to do it on Gen 2 and H8. Right. I've got Councillor Freeman. You are obviously happy with that. Yep. Uh, a further one could are be. Are you seconding this motion? No, I'm not I seconding. I need a seconder. No, I don't, I'm not going to second it. No. Right. Okay. I'll have a second that. Uh, Councillor Rogers, thank you very much. You're happy with those two conditions? Refusal reasons. Uh, refuse, yeah, condition refusals, yeah. Well, it'd be one refusal, uh, reason, that, yeah, one no. refusal reason that wraps those two if it goes for Yeah, them. okay, fine, thank you. Uh, Chairman, um, I was going to offer a uh, um, yeah, loss of amenity. Sorry, right. Councillor Freeman, sorry, you were going to say. That, that's, it. that's all encompassed in those okay. two policies anyway. Oh, right, okay. Councillor Lockham. Sorry. Thank you. Well, I think this is probably, because it's such a small, small thing in terms of planning, but it has actually proved to be probably one of the most difficult. But I, I am conscious of once that's built, it can't be unbuilt. But if we refuse it, it the architect could jiggle it around to perhaps make it suitable for both parties. So I think... Uh, under those circumstances and to save a, a neighbourhood war, war because I see they're, they're probably more or less the same age and probably could be friends but something like this could, could be divisive uh, and so I think uh, for the reasons that you've given I, I will have to say I would refuse it and hope that the architect will do something so that everybody could live in harmony One, one, one thing that strikes me um, <clears throat> We are all making or drawing opinions on the effect in terms of loss of light and overbearing. There is um, a, a, a computer program available to developers to A, determine the daylight factors currently existing in that conservatory and secondly, what they would be were this development to go ahead. Now, it's an, an added um, expense to the applicant, but we haven't got that information. We had, the applicant did put something in the uh, documents, but it wasn't entirely accurate. It was done on a popular postcode in here and we'll get a daylight factor thing for you. Um, but there is a better um, system, proper authorised system available. I don't know whether we um, are able to uh, defer and suggest that that is um, further information that we want before we can make a decision. Because if it 
conclusively proves or, or would it, it would prove the amount of um, detriment? I don't know. Yeah. Let, I'll let Clive on. Clive. Sorry, I, I didn't want to um, cloud the debate, but as I, as, as I said this morning, um, this is an application for planning permission. It's not a, a lawful use certificate application for permitted development. Now, at the moment, the proposal is not permitted development for three reasons. Uh, firstly, because the the ground floor element of the rear extension is more than three metres. It's, um, it's 3.44 metres. The first floor has been pushed um, back so that it's not exceeding three metres, which is the permitted allowance for a first floor extension. So had it been the fact that for this revision the, the architects had moved the ground floor uh, extension to be flush with the, uh, uh, the first floor, then in terms of the um, permitted allowance, in terms of depth for this kind of property, that would be permitted development. Now, that isn't the case and therefore it doesn't fall to be PD. The, there is an allowance to go up to six metres um, and eight metres depending on the property within the current provisions under PD which is where if you then go into, into that depth, it's permitted development, but you have to then notify neighbours as to whether or not that would be an issue with regard to, say, loss of residential amenity. Now, because of where we are with this um, meeting today, um, it's guaranteed that we would get a letter of objection from the number uh, 31 neighbour. So that would therefore, by default, mean it couldn't be treated as permitted development, it would therefore be an assessment as to whether or not plan permission should be required and we'd probably end up with a planning application. Uh, the other two reasons are because of the materials. Now um, it's matching for the ground floor. The, the first floor is cladding and therefore <coughs> it's not consistent with the exterior of the dwelling house. Although I would personally argue that being on the back and if it was natural weather boarding as opposed to um, uh, hardy plank boarding, for example, and it wasn't sort of brown but a more pastel shade, that wouldn't have an impact on the character and appearance of the conservation area, as I say in my um, report. The third uh, reason is, for some reason, to do with protection of conservation areas. It says that you can't have a, uh, a rear extension which... Um, is more than single storey in the conservation area. Um, I think it's probably more to do with the conservation area aspect of the uh, uh, proposal as opposed to amenity. So whilst it's not a strict fallback position that we've got here, uh, what the architect has attempted to show is what it could be if the rear extension at first floor has been set in by two metres from the boundary, which is done, and if the proposed application wasn't in the conservation area. So that's just wanted to say that. I'm not sure that helps, but. <laughs> but I mean, all your, all your, I mean, and also this cannot be scientifically, yes, this is how it is. There can be computer programs out there, but they're never going to definitively prove either way what the situation is. It's all down to 
judgment. And I'm going to put a little, little um, plug in here. Welcome to my office as well. They deal with these tens of these every week, and this is what they do. And unfortunately, it does intrude. And this is, these are the most difficult applications we ever deal with. It is the most difficult application you've had on your book today. And I would say, because it affects two people's lives, it's probably the most important application you've dealt with today. And that's why it's difficult when you have these applications in front of you. Computer program would not necessarily, I don't think it will come up with your answer. It won't come up with your definitive answer. Um, and uh, so the, the question is whether or not you feel it should be deferred to allow further discussions going on. And we are in a unique situation where both neighbours are, are talking to each other and, and getting on with each other. Um, but, um, but whether that would achieve anything or whether a refusal would, would move on to the next one. You have a clear recommendation for approval from, from, from officers here. Um, and that unfortunately, extensions do have an impact on neighbours. Um, and it's the question is whether that impact is to, to a degree whereby we could ultimately sustain something on refusal. The other situation is, well, if our permission was granted today and, this, and that application started, was started being built, then we have the operations while we're dealing with that application, the flexibility of doing, assuming both neighbours are acceptable in terms of this, the neighbour who's building the extension may say, well, actually, we could do something here to make life a little bit better for the neighbours and could we put this in as an amendment to, to, to planning and we would be open to that. But ultimately, we are satisfied that the application as submitted is acceptable and would not be causing that detriment. But we have a proposal on the table for a refusal, I suppose. That would be the next stage. A non-material amendment would have, sorry, Councillor Lockman has just whispered, is there a cost for that? There is a cost, but it's a, it's a minimal cost in terms of a non-material amendment to, a, to an application. But that's just moving on in terms of solutions. If, if, if we're trying to achieve something better, even better than the proposal that we've got in front of us, which is acceptable. Right, members, we have a proposal for refusal based on Gen 2 and H8 wrapped up in one refusal reason. Um, that's been seconded, so we're going to go to the vote. But I'd just like to assure both parties, really, that, you know, this, whichever way this goes, um, one of you has our sympathy. Um, it, it, it really is, you know, a tricky, tricky problem. Right, okay, those in favour, please show. For refusal. Six. And against? Three. That application is refused. Mr Chairman, can I, can I just say something very quickly? Have I ever stopped you, Councillor Jones? Uh, no, but you're perfectly entitled to. <coughs> could, I, could I just say that, uh, that there's more true words just been spoken just now than is spoken in this council chamber for a long time, inasmuch as... We are elected here to make difficult decisions. Anybody can make the easy ones. It's the difficult ones that we're elected to do. And it's not very nice when you have a situation like this. It is extremely difficult. But let's hope at the end of it all, we come out with something that is uh, compatible with both parties. That's what we all look for, but it doesn't always work like that. Thank you, Councillor Chambers. Right, um, that's the end of the applications. Item four is any other business. There is one, at, one item. This meeting is Maggie Cox's last. What? <laughs>
Maggie. Yes, Maggie will be leaving the council in the, in the middle of February. Um, Maggie, thank you very much. Your service to this committee has been exemplary. And we will miss you. I miss you too, yeah. Oh, I think we should give Maggie a round of applause. <laughs> Thank you. Right, on that note, members at five past, three minutes past five, meeting closed. Thank you. <laughs>